Steve Martin's Goodfellas, Spike Lee anoints four funny kings, and crotch-biting fish in 3D this week on 30 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Later Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back across three decades, celebrating our favorite 30, 20, and 10-year anniversaries as we examine the movies, television, uh, video games, music, and more of three decades from this very week. We are recording from August 14th through the 20th in 1990, 2000, and 2010. We'll help you figure out what you were doing and probably where you were uh, just by looking back at what was happening, what was coming out during that time frame. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm hotter in Georgia asphalt. <laughs> I just heard that. It's me, Sarah, and I cheese sandwich mm. all of you. Oh, well, this is going to be... Uh, <laughs> Really, really fun one. A lot of things I know very well. A lot of things I'm reacquainted with. And some of the weirdest television this summer doldrums have to offer. Um, <laughs> and just, uh, I think, man, all these movies, I don't remember being anyone's favorite, in, uh, especially in the first decade. But they were rerun to hell on cable. And most people have, you've probably seen them multiple times. There's a lot to get into this week. Uh, so let's do it. Oh, I got to say right off the bat, uh, the show is executive produced by Jeffrey Watkins and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. It's how you can support this show and the whole laser time network. And if you go there right now, you should have access to a 302010 game show, which is Video Game Apocalypse, Michael Raparez and Matt Allen. And we're joined this week by Chris Baker. Just what is what hasn't he done? He's worked with Marvel, Lucas. Uh, he worked in the press 20 years ago. He does not look it. Good on you, Christopher. <laughs> and uh, and he's talking about, uh, I love that he has press stories from 20 years ago uh, about the releases of games. So we'll go way more in depth in the video games on this month's uh, show. That would be July. Sorry for the confusion and the tardiness. It's been weird. And we do thank you for your support because we got to fix a bunch of stuff. Uh, thanks to you guys. So thank you so much to all our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Whoo! 302010. Let's get into the format. We start as we always do with 1990, August 14th to the 20th. Little bit of news to bring you in. We have been keeping you up to date of the music controversies of 30 years ago, and Two Live Crew has taken a lot of that spotlight. Uh, <laughs> rather, we, <laughs> we were talking about Two Live Crew actually this week because I showed Sam the WAP music video <laughs> that oh, just yeah. came out. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he was like, wow, if two live crew could just see this and be like, guys, what are you mad about? <laughs> what did we do? <laughs> this what? is the future. <laughs> what did we it's do? It's so good. <laughs> uh, his take was not as bad as Ben Shapiro's, but oh, man. Uh, but but I didn't even hear about this. This is a, a blip, but it like it is some old guard horseshit. The Ghetto Boys have an mm. album of Rick Rubin. An eponymous album of Rick Rubin produced mostly remixes, some new tracks. Geffen Records refuses to release it, and I believe Sony refuses to print the CD uh, due to the content of its lyrics. And wow. it moves over. Basically, Def Jam has to sign a whole new distribution deal with Warner Brothers as a result of this. And uh, I think Ghetto Boys, this, the Ghetto Boys album is the only album in history to run with an additional disclaimer in addition to the parental advisory explicit lyrics 
Def, Def American recordings is opposed to censorship. Our manufacturer and distributor, however, do not condone or endorse, endorse the content of this recording, which they find violent, sexist, racist, and indecent. That was a, that was on the cover of the album. It just feels so weird. Really? Wow. You get it, boys? The mind is, mind is playing tricks on me, guys? Uh, there's a lot of graphic depictions of, uh, uh, I don't know, some, a reviewer called it, it sounds like a slasher film at some point. <laughs> but uh, the Ghetto Boys getting wronged. And um, hopefully they'll, they'll get theirs. Um, movies, 1990, August 14th through the 20th. Ugh. All I can say is, ugh. Uh, John, John DeLancey. Hey, uh, here's a really good example. Remember a bunch of weeks ago we had the debut of Hollywood Pictures and I said, if it's the Sphinx, it stinks. Yep. Here's why I ah. say these sorts of things. Because of uh-huh. James Belushi vehicles like this one. Right. Has every single comic actor rejected this script? Well, we have we have a surviving Belushi who's willing to take, take control with Charles Grodin, Hector Elizondo. Good Lord. In a movie co-written by J.J. Abrams, who appears in the film. It's his first screenplay. <laughs> yes. What? This is his first fucking credit. Yeah. Oh yeah, his screenplay gosh. credit. He was in that Harrison Ford movie last year as an actor. Um, but that would be taking care of beeswax. From Hollywood Pictures, conman Jimmy Dworsky has found businessman Spencer Barnes' date book. My life was in there! Now Jimmy's taking over Spencer's life. I'm on Dynasty! He's moving into his house. Nice place. Wearing his clothes. Yes, sir! And he's even using Spencer's name. You must be Spencer. Thank you, God. Want to join me? Sure. This is a disaster. James Belushi, Charles Grodin, taking care of business. I don't know who I am. (laughs) Rated up. Jesus, can yeah. you can you imagine how funny it would be for Jim Belushi to pretend that he's rich? It, <laughs> God, that's hilarious! Look, if I showed I, anybody of color a picture of Jim Belushi, you would just assume you, <laughs> you would just assume. And I remember reading about his like five acre home. I'm like, for what? Sympathy for his According brother? To Jim, I know, I know, but it's like he is he just. Fails miserably into success all the time. It's so annoying. He's just good enough to survive. That's mm-hmm. his thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just good enough. And I mm-hmm. think he actually has some talent. Yeah. And occasionally you will see it. But his choices were the worst. Mm-hmm. He, he, has a, he doesn't have so much of a John quality as he has a Bill Murray no. quality. That's what I was going to say. Like, So I watched this movie while I was doing a jigsaw puzzle, which is I'm sorry. really literally the only way to watch it. <laughs> because <laughs> you got to be distracted. Um, but the whole time I remember thinking, are we, is he just trying to do a Bill Murray here? Is he just a poor man's Bill Murray? Because he's really going for Bill Murray vibes in this movie, which is why sometimes, I mean, this movie is dreadful. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but there are some glimmers of charm there from him. No, no. I, you know? Yeah. I just, I just. I just can't I, – I can't stand him. And I've just read so many bad stories about him. He's one of our wonderful, wonderful Hollywood Republicans. And yeah. <laughs> love hearing well, from him about it. Love the, hearing him blowing into a harmonica uh, the older that he gets. Um, and- I do love <laughs> Charles Grodin. And mm-hmm. I like how – uptight he always is and i love his day planner because i have one too and i know that feeling of being like where's my day planner oh my god uh so i i do like seeing 
Charles Grodin basically anytime. I'm always happy to see him on my screen. And I'm also always happy to see a Gates McFadden, John Delancey reunion, yeah. a little yeah. TNG reunion, which I do love that too. Crusher and Q, are they in this? I, I didn't Remember when this. Q was a thing that we liked? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how, it's it's hard All not right. to. Punch. I'm breaking the news right now. Q, the secret government guy, it's John Delancey. Right? I mean, I <laughs> that'd be so fucking funny. It's just like a agent of chaos. Yeah. This is definitely what's happening here, you guys. He told us in the TNG pilot there were things out there in the universe we were not prepared to contend with, and mm-hmm. here we are. There's some of them are running for office now. <laughs> Underground tunnels where they have deformed mole children. Wow. Good lord. I mean, if anyone could do that, it's Q. And we know this. It this is the, the 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 next movie is the one I remember seeing one of the first movies I saw in theaters twice, and huh. I don't really have the agency to do such a thing nor the income. So I'm guessing my dad was a huge fan. Uh, Bill Irwin, Carol Kane, Joan Cusack, Rick Moranis, and Steve Martin in My Blue Heaven. Take one ex-gangster, add one FBI agent, blend well into suburbia, and serve hot. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, My Blue Heaven. Have a nice Up yours. <laughs> Uh, I I go back and forth in this movie just because I've seen it mm-hmm. so much. Steve Martin's accent annoys the shit out of me, but he liked mm. the project enough. He was originally cast in the straight Rick Moranis role and just moved over after people kept dropping out. I think Schwarzenegger was supposed to be the Italian gangster in witness protection, and he was going to play Rick Moranis' straight FBI agent who must watch over this mm. silly, quirky gangster. It's arugula. Oh, <laughs> it's okay, so... Before we start getting into the craziness, uh, can I just say those five people are five of my favorite people in the world? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Steve mm-hmm. Martin, Rick Moranis, Joan Cusack, Carol Kane, and Bill Irwin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would give any of them a kidney. Yeah. I love them all so much. Bill Bill Irwin gets a long dance sequence for no reason, and it's yeah. wonderful. It's, it is. I do love that. <laughs> I, I've only seen him do that kind of physical comedy in two movies, and the other one's Popeye. But, like, yeah, I, do, I love that dude. Oh, he's so, so good. Anyway, so I was convinced that this was coming out in 1991, and I was, I was convinced of that because it is a comedy version of a movie we're going to talk about in one month's time right. almost exactly. An unauthorized and detested <laughs> uh, uh, version of Wise Guys by Henry Hill, which will be adapted later this year into a movie you've definitely heard of. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it becomes adapted into Goodfellas. Now, here's where things get extra crazy. So, uh, Wise Guy, the book that was then adapted into Goodfellas, is written by a guy named Nicholas Pileggi. Mm-hmm. No, not the guy from X Files, mm-hmm. a writer guy. A shocker. And his wife, his his wife Nora Ephron, wrote this. Right. That's so right. They're working on it together, basically. Wow. As he's working on all this like mob stuff, she's like, "Oh, this would be fun for a comedy." That's crazy. Oh and she I was like listening her. to him interview uh, Henry Hill, the former mobster, and talking about his life in witness protection where he's a schnook like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this gets out first though. That's even the weirder thing. This is like the silly version. The the parody version comes out first. Well, it, it has that, what that... a cool story. What a cool backstory. I absolutely right. love that. I was so yeah. happy to see Nora Ephron's name in the credits because right. uh, I just love her so much. And yeah. so, yeah, this totally, you should watch these as a double feature. Goodfellas should go first, then you watch this. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> and I cannot concert. wait to talk about Goodfellas. I'm dying inside to talk about Goodfellas. And it, this is just, it's fun. It is a, it yeah. is a, 
it is a Sunday afternoon delight. Uh, it yeah. is it, it basically the 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 premise of the comedy is that like essentially the FBI is a little lazy and all of the <laughs> mob informants <laughs> end up being shipped to the same San Diego town where they're bored out of their fucking minds and can't get any of the cool stuff they got in New York. So they kind of just do what they always did in this little town with mini malls. <laughs> And it's 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 cute, and uh, you know there's a there's a what you call it a freshman turn at the end that doesn't make a ton of sense. Like mm. dude, these guys are up to no good. Come now, ah oh, well, whatever. Let's have fun. Yeah. But I, I I I this movie has followed me forever. I've seen it a thousand times. It is I only call it the second DVD I ever owned because the first was Blair Witch Project, and I was out of money, and this was the first nine ninety nine DVD I ever saw so i bought (laughs) two dvds for my first dvd player and my blue heaven was one of them so i watched it a lot more than you can imagine and there's this is mm. one of those movies where i feel like the poster was like cemented to my local movie rental places wall like i just remember seeing it throughout my entire childhood which means the poster had a great pretty great design very close to twins the music the the poster yeah i think the trend Hopefully the dying trend now is like if it's a comedy, characters on white background, red, <laughs> large red fonts. And back mm-hmm. then it was blue backgrounds. Uh, and the, yeah, it, uh, there was a lot of blue backgrounds for your comedies. I swear I've noticed these things. I have nowhere mm-hmm. else to put these ob- observations. I don't like to tweet that much anymore. I will say I tried to tell you um, – where you can find these movies at no extra cost, depending on what you're subscribed to. And this movie is available on HBO Max mm-hmm. right now. So do what I did. Steal your parents' passwords. It's not hard to <laughs> yeah. guess. It's probably one of their dogs or half their phone number. Uh, it's <laughs> Or your, their favorite child, which is your sibling. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or HBO password. <laughs> and Sarah, Sarah said I could bitch about this on the show. And so I will because I ran into a situation like, oh, I can't wait to watch the next movie. I have never seen this. Uh, it is completely unavailable mm-hmm. in, in, in like any capacity, streaming or digitally. You can get a DVD or an old Blu-ray used. And it's a shame because it's David Lynch's Wild at Heart. And it's just I've run into several instances I kept seeing that that meme of like taking the pirate ship pirate hat out of the drawer after uh, <laughs> Netflix came and you retired your internet piracy because you did you had access to what you needed and then now all this shit like one of these movies is on IMDb TV and I'm just like I'll take your word for it I, I'm not I don't need it whatever it is I don't need it <laughs> I, I've never heard anybody talk about the streaming service I don't need this I am having a hard time I'm having the hardest time since I got broadband, getting shit I want. There were several things I went to pirate this week. I think because everyone's so busy with all their modern streaming shit, they're forgetting to pirate stuff. And I, I, I couldn't, fi- I couldn't find. I was just so bummed out by that. But yeah, for I will yeah. try and keep you guys updated on uh, uh, where you can stream stuff legitimately. Um, yeah, what, what here is the answer to that, and. It's a great answer because it combines a lot of things that I love. You can get this at your local library. I, I did see that. As I it was... is on DVD. Mm-hmm. It's probably in your library in your town. And I I just wanted to talk about it because I know I talk about libraries a lot, but I do think that they are a – I almost said modern miracle, but they're actually an ancient miracle. Right. Um, <laughs> but 
I absolutely love getting DVDs from our local library and I'm going to do it more and more. So, you know, especially now where Sam and I don't have anything to do during the weekend because we can't go anywhere. We can't travel. We can't go out. So this Saturday, I just went on online and looked at my library catalog and figured out where all the DVDs of things that aren't streaming are located because there's like five library branches in this town. Mm -hmm. And I went to those library and we went to two different library branches to go pick up the DVDs of the things that we wanted to watch. And it was so much fun because (laughs) you get to see different parts of your town. Libraries are cool. And you get to support a local public institution that needs your help, just like the postal service does but and i it's free and a added bonus so one of the other things that was really fun is that the library that's closest to our house has a new releases section Mm. this has like i was just looking at it and it was bringing me hardcore friday night block going to blockbuster vibes <laughs> and it was so much fun because i actually got like a couple of movies that sam and i missed in the theaters i picked up queen and slim mm-hmm. and i picked up uh, i think the last black man in san francisco Ooh. and i'm really excited about it and i it really made me feel like it, it just eliminates that netflix streaming effect where sam and i will often just like scroll through Netflix and then just end up putting on a TV show while we look at our phones. Whereas now if we make, if you make it a point to like go to your library and look at your local releases, here's a finite amount of things to pick out. And it brought me so much joy. The same (laughs) feeling of that feeling of going to Blockbuster and being like, what am I going to get from the new releases? You know? So I, highly highly recommend your local library for all this stuff i just encountered a ton of frustration there this week because i'm like all right let's see what this is streaming this movie's name date it came out streaming and netflix's seo has locked down the destination for those Mm -hmm. movies even when they don't have them it's it's fucking irritating like i i i i know i know he always sort of envisioned seo like running afoul but like that's the opposite of what i needed uh, to go to Netflix's site to read a description about a movie they don't have. And, yeah. I found and, Just Watch has been my go-to now, where yeah. I just look up everything we're going to talk about on Just Watch. Yeah, I think I, I think, I think from the, there, at least I can figure out HBO, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. I think the mm-hmm. streaming services actively try and block, block those APIs, because like, those mm-hmm. sites tend to go down, uh, maybe yeah. as people lose interest in keeping them up. But I, I, I could only speculate. I also want to say, like, our our town has a pretty poor integration with canopy but yours might not and mm-hmm. one of these movies popped up on canopy it was it was a it was an error but like canopy <laughs> canopy is is a way like i think in towns that are better equipped to deal with the internet at their lo- local library where like one person at a time can stream a new or a new movie a digital version mm-hmm. of a new movie for free yep. And yep. so I, it, I know they said it would work here, and it definitely doesn't. But I was uh, looking to Canopy if you're in a in a larger town. Anyway, yeah. this, or go to your local library or go and get a physical DVD because it's super fun to have a stack of DVDs waiting for you on your coffee table. Never gonna have. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to do a whole show about physical media, man. Like all that news this week, and I walked in a Best Buy this week, and like, oh, they're done with their uh, they're done with their refurbishments. Wow, they quartered the DVD aisle. It now mm. it now looks like the CD aisle ten years ago. Wow, <laughs> it, it is it is not good. Um, no, I am a physical media fan. Well, good. I like having all my physical media because then they can never take it from me. I'll t- I'll tell you at the end of the show what's coming to your house. And- That's why I'm so <laughs> happy with my 
favorite form of physical media, which is actually exploding, is books. Yay. Bookstores are not going anywhere, y'all. Seems that way. But this is all kicked off by uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Isabella Rossellini, Diane Ladd, Crispin Glover, Willem Dafoe, Laura Dern, Nicolas Cage in Wild at Heart. We got some dancing to do. From David Lynch, the director of Twin Peaks, comes this summer's wildest love story. Newsweek calls it spectacular and funny. You got me hotter in Georgia asphalt. USA Today says it's a must-see. You really are dangerously cute, baby. And the Chicago Tribune calls it stunning. Rockin' good news. David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Rated R. This is... This is... I want to say David Lynch is more popular now than ever, just because everybody I know loves him. Or if they don't love his work, they just love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, but, like, seriously, David Lynch, he makes Blue Velvet, like, two years ago. The Twin Peaks has finally aired its first season and then has this movie, like, right away, which mm-hmm. which which wins prizes at Cannes. Critics hate it. Critics hate this David Lynch movie. Mm. It is still a financial success. This all seems so bizarre. <laughs> that seems all completely backwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually but, the critics love David Lynch and he ends up making no money. This one split critics really hard. There are people, you either love it or you hated this movie. And I feel like over time it's shifted more into like people don't hate it. They just don't like it as much because it's it's strange in a lot of the David, but not really the David Lynch kind of strange. It's like very goofy. Yeah. compared to other David Lynch stuff. It's it's often very silly. Yeah. I, I, I This one didn't work for me until it got real crazy. Because <laughs> for a while, like, this is just like, this seems this seems like a work print of a Hollywood movie. <laughs> like, why did you just fl- why did you just fade into this scene that doesn't relate to the scene? It just I don't know. Like, I love my David Lynch, but like this is this was I didn't like this one that much. But I was also yeah. like, I'll research a bit of the show while I'm doing it, and I fucking lost track. And oh, and it's yeah. not a good it's not a good way to watch this because there are a lot of like really quick flashbacks to things. Yeah, and you'll get lost. And but but like great characters as always, and. David Lynch is good with uh, what do you call it? Like I don't know, depen- depictions of like slow boiling horror and evil. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the the creeping dread mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I think David Lynch is like that. That's his wheelhouse, man. That's what he does. Where it's like everything looks fine, but why do I feel so uneasy right now? Mm-hmm. Like Maybe. it could be a beautiful sunny day with people driving in a car, and you're like, oh sure, this is about to go really bad. Maybe, maybe because uh, you know it's just you're stuck on a slow pan of a villain taking a phone call with two topless waitresses just standing by his side. <laughs> like, it's little little tableaus like that throughout. Um, it is also nice, like if you're a fan of Twin Peaks and David Lynch. I mean, uh, his his first couple of movies didn't offer this so much, but you can. He's finally starting to, like have a stable of people. That he, mm. he and, and just like something about Nick Cage in this movie, who is not as unrestrained as you'd think. Like you should only be in David Lynch movies. What the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas Cage should only be directed by David Lynch. He's yeah, pretty wonderful. He's, he's so great in this, and so is Laura Dern, who's worked with him like a ton now. But this is a very different character, and that she's kind of like this silly little sex pot, mm-hmm. which is not usually what she plays. And I mean, really, it's, it's a road picture. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're young lovers on the run. That, that's pretty much it. How and, could you uh, tell? Was it critics... the was it the sixteen sex scenes? In the movie? <laughs> yeah, a lot of critics didn't like this. I think they thought it was shallow for David Lynch, and that it's just doesn't seem to be about anything deeper. Like, I mean, Blue Velvet. 
and also Twin Peaks are about like, you know, the corruption under the surface of beautiful suburban America. Mm-hmm. And this just seems to be like, woo, we're having fun. Sexy fun times. Woo, sexy fun times and crime. Oh, no crime. Oh, everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's I don't think that's it at all. Yeah, I, did anyway. not, I did not have a lot of fun with this one. I really didn't. Yeah. No, even though like I like. There's a David Lynch movie with Crispin Glover in it. Let's do this. Uh, and, yeah. and uh yeah, it, Willem Dafoe popped in and finally like, "Oh shit. This is I love it when he plays an awful person. This is great." <laughs> uh but uh yeah, I was also, yes, I was at I watched this at my workstation and which I try never mm. to do. No. And uh that's that's not Directly, it was not good. You got to pay me. attention to, man. Got to you got to watch actively. It was. It was just. But it, it did feel like it's not his sellout film by any means. But it does feel like. Why did you make this? As mm. like compared to everything else you do, this isn't weird enough. It, it's made weirder by you. But it's a. It's a very simple little story. And uh, well, that he <laughs> he overly complicates with intentional surrealism. Uh, I don't know. Like anybody else, Wild at Heart. I I, I did not get to this unfortunately, mm. but it was. Definitely high on my list. Sam, who's the biggest David Lynch fan mm. I know, calls it his most accessible film, mm. which yeah. to, is kind of damning with faint praise. Honestly, like it's not that's not necessarily a compliment. It sounds like for what you want from David Lynch. I mean, I love, love, love Twin Peaks so much, mm. and I really enjoyed Mulholland Drive. That's all that I've seen though, and I don't oh. know. I don't think Blue Velvet is for me. <laughs> like mm. uh, it's for everyone. <laughs> I don't know. It is yeah. Fun. Yeah. This is, that's a good point. This is a pretty good entry point in that the narrative is generally conventional and mm-hmm. the characters are simple and identifiable and fun to be around. Uh, and then there's the weirdness. And whether or not you like the weirdness might point you in a direction where you want to go with David Lynch. Do you want to go? Because he has some more conventional movies. I mean, The Elephant Man's fucking great, mm-hmm. but it's not david lynchy it's just really really well made mm-hmm. uh or you got you know a mulholland driver blue velvet or you go much farther in go you know inland empire <laughs> um some of his other movies are just yeah lost highway straight a little story. harder a little mm-hmm. harder more lynchy i love lost highway Goddamn. yeah uh, no i like all of those but yeah this would be this is a good introduction i mm-hmm. think it's probably a good place to start and man, I uh, the next film in number one at the box office. I never get tired of pointing out um, the Exorcist is the highest grossing uh, horror franchise in history, sure. even adjusted for inflation, based wow. solely on the strength of how popular the original <laughs> Exorcist was, and it got a 1997 theatrical re-release. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. no one really loves any of the other Exorcist films, and there's been several there's even two prequels <laughs> that yep, were shot are... it's a weird story that one uh, five total mm-hmm. two of them are prequels that are actually kind of the same movie they are the same made movie two different ways yes one one movie that they tried to throw away and make again with a different hmm. director yeah and it's it's a very strange story so this is technically the last exorcist chronologically yes and it's uh for, from everybody i remember talking to what they consider a return to form. Exorcist 2 is this giant sacrilege. And oh, Exorcist God. 3 is like, 
oh, this is fucking scary. And there's a very scary sequence I've seen people share. I have not seen this yet. This is available free with your Amazon Prime subscription. Uh, uh, Brad Dorif, Scott Wilson, Jason Miller, Ed Flanders, and George C. Scott in Exorcist 3. 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture terrified us with a story of a little girl possessed by Satan. On August 17th, the creator of the original Exorcist brings you fear beyond your darkest nightmares because the priest who saved you is now the greatest evil of all. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3, rated R. <laughs> oh, tubular bells. Oh, Oh, tubular bells. Oh, my God. I don't know where to start. I mean, do we do a brief rundown? The Exorcist is a big-ass hit, and it's super, super scary. And because I wrote a paper about it in film school, I know it backwards and forwards. And I feel like I never have to watch it again. But it's very, very good. And then a couple years later, they do The Exorcist 2, colon, The Heretic, which is one of the best bad movies ever made. Like, there's parts (laughs) of it that are legitimately, like, scary, there's most of it is just weird and bizarre and a lot of it is fucking hilarious. Did you ever want to see James Earl Jones dressed up as a giant bug scaring people? Yes, you do. <laughs> and then there's tap dancing. Fucking Exorcist 2. Oh, my God. OK. You sold and me. a legendary failure because it is everything no one asked for in an Exorcist movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we get a nice little break. And William Peter Blatty, who wrote the original book, The Exorcist, and the screenplay for the first film, writes a screenplay he tries to sell as an Exorcist movie. They don't buy it. He turns it into a book. It becomes a bestseller. Now they want it back. And uh, he gets to direct. So he he gets to write and direct Exorcist 3. He was was a screenwriter as well, but it is bizarre to see, like, it's it's always bizarre to see the writer get elevated to the director later on Mm. in the franchise. And I didn't know he made Ninth Configuration. That movie rules. Yeah. And he does, he does an, okay job mm-hmm. but i know a lot of horror fans like exorcist 3 mm-hmm. and i <laughs> i there had to be a point where i just started laughing hilariously it's just it became too fucking funny to me because it's an hour 45 and an hour and a half of it is just george c scott running around being the worst cop in the world <laughs> all he does is fail and yell at people oh, that's my favorite. He's the worst cop the worst <laughs> Captain Howdy, you magnificent bastard! <laughs> yeah. And then and then Brad Dourif shows up for about 10 minutes eating some scenery, and I always love that, because Brad Dourif does crazy better than anyone. And then they tack on an exorcism at the end, because when they first tested the movie, there was no fucking exorcism! And everyone got mad. Like, why isn't there an exorcism in a movie called The Exorcist? It's still got uh, all that crazy occult shit that makes it that was very believable back <laughs> about 30 years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, this blows it up to crazierness where it's not just it's not just that there's like one evil demon and he's hurting this little girl. It's this evil demon wants some fucking payback for getting exercised the first time. And he's doing that by transferring the soul of a serial killer into the dead body of the priest from before. And then giving him amnesia, and then putting him in a psych ward, and then leaving his body to inhabit other people and do killing stuff. Killing stuff. Great. That's really complicated. It could just be, and then the demon hops from body to body. Fine. Mm. But no, we gotta do, uh, just, let's put another step in for reasons, uh, and bring in the serial killer, who had nothing to do with anything. 
Yeah, I think I think the praise the praise comes from <laughs> the high expectations set by the Exorcist, which again, we did a whole laser time on this a year or two ago with Sarah and Sam. Just because like the Exorcist is a phenomenon Hollywood does not see very often, where people are seeing it again and again, where there's there's an entire cottage industry telling you not to see it, which makes everyone want to see it more. Uh, I, I personally, it's it. I was scared away from this movie. I I was lured into Bible camp by a friend of mine because oh. it was a cheap camp. Uh, because guess what? You had to go to a Baptist church, which we were not uh, Baptists. But they had like forty Nintendos and like a gym, and they'd show movies <laughs> on the like a, on a big screen in a big field in a swimming pool with slides. But you had to be indoctrinated with churchy shit. Um, <laughs> and I I remember. My pastor, I, I can remember his name too. I just don't want to say it on the air because it's, but it is hilarious. He was talking about you're going to be out there, kids, and you're going to see temptations. I was young, your age too. Um, I I saw something that I knew I shouldn't have done. I knew I, sh- I I knew I shouldn't have gone to see this, and I and I went and did it, and I saw the devil, and I ran from that theater screaming, and that movie was Exorcist Three. Like. Yeah. You, you, are, <laughs> And like back then, I'm telling you. Then, like you know, I was I was a believer. That was really scary. It scared me away from watching this movie for a very long time. It's the uh, fact that it's a uh, the third, right? Like, that, that's what makes it really funny. Yeah. He, 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 well, like, why would you even like, tell us what the movie is? Don't, yeah, no. There's well, there is some real life reasons why that should worry you. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer loved this movie. Oh Ooh. boy. Oh, yeah, boy. he he really liked this movie. It spoke to him somehow. And he would watch it sometimes before going out to pick up dudes. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's funny because most of this movie is a cop procedural. Yeah. With hmm. some occasional scary shots of like a, a statue of Jesus bleeding. There's one <laughs> point where it's like, it's actually right at the beginning of the movie where... Um, like there's a, a church and there are all the statues in the big Catholic church. And then like the door blows open, all this wind comes in and the Jesus statue opens its eyes and it looks just, it's a ventriloquist dummy. It looks just like a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> like, now he's going to sing us a birthday song at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh my God. <laughs> or be in a Madonna music video. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm picturing. The like a prayer music video when you're describing this. Oh my God. No, it was, yeah. Now I'm curious because there is a director's cut because like mm-hmm. I said, the studio got mad at, at test screenings where they said, where is the exorcism? And they made them shove one in uh, at the end. And there is a director's cut that's been released to DVD that some people like better and some people didn't. Well, it, it, it's I, kind of minor changes except not having an exorcism in it. I like, I like plugging that laser time episode because the only thing people of my generation got to grow up around that was like that was the, the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. which most of us knew in a wrestling kind of way that this wasn't real, but there was an entire section of articles and there was a documentary on sci-fi channel about how real it was. And the exorcist has articles. People have been writing about exorcism for a hundred years mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and about this very yeah. incident. Well, and then they longer start, than that. Yeah. And then they, they start, they start right. But like we discover that phenomenon that like it was some of the most popular articles in newspapers was about exorcisms, but no one dared make a movie depicting it until I, I don't know how Warner brothers got the gull in the, in the gritty seventies, but like it blew people's fucking minds, dude. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, cause it was so, 
vulgar. I mean, I think that was a big part of what blew everyone's minds. I mean, my mom still talks about like seeing it when she was a little kid and how unbelievably shocking it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is a slow but well-paced movie where that you can feel the tension rising and rising is these little things that you know just hearing a weird noise in the attic and going and there's nothing there and it's like you can relate to all this stuff and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until it's an extreme and it like plays on all kinds of fears about like loss of bodily autonomy and puberty fucking you up and parents and kids having fights and all these like psychological things that are buried in there that just mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, the first exorcist, it is so well made. And, well, this is definitely improvement over Exorcist 2, because Exorcist 2 is hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, but it's effectively the end of the franchise for a while. And I think oh, all yeah. of us are forgetting this was perhaps a multi-season show on Fox somewhat recently. Yeah, yeah, I yeah it did happen. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, it went, ran for more than one season, but it was, it was out there. Yeah, but this is, it's another one of these cases where they all pretend that last movie didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and they just move along to like, this is the real sequel to the real Exorcist. Oh, well, and we got all kinds of guys back. And we'll have I mean, not everybody, we'll, some of them are dead. We'll have another but, one of those in the next segment. Great. Yeah. But uh, I I cannot end up recommending this. It was better than I was expecting, but I was expecting it to be pretty rough. Mm-hmm. But it was still like, I'm not, you're not scaring me. You're spending. You're spending most of the movie just being creepy while I fixate on how George C. Scott just keeps yelling at other officers and never (laughs) doing anything and telling me disgusting details of things. And then they just sort of have a big, long scene of talking to explain everything. And I go, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Thanks for backing up the exposition truck and dumping it on me. Are we done? Okay, we're done. It's the best part of every horror movie is the explaining and talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. moving on to television, um, well, we still have the energy, dude. There, are, if it, if the look who's talking television adaptation baby talk hadn't been rescheduled, we would have had three midsummer mm-hmm. TV shows based on movies this week. I, <sighs> I definitely read. It's not something they do anymore. I, the, the, yeah, the look who's talking show was destined to to show up this week and got pushed back to next year. Wow, on the seventeenth of August in television, August fourteenth through the twentieth. Steel Magnolias. Uh, is this just a pilot that airs? Yeah, it's just a. It's just the pilot because that was all she wrote on that one. But it was starring Cindy Williams, Sally Kirkland, and Elaine Stritch as Weezer, Ooh. which I would have loved to see. Cindy, is that, uh, is yeah. that, is Cindy Williams, Cindy Williams, the Brady Bunch girl. No, Elaine Stritch uh, is a Broadway. Elaine Stritch, girl. Cindy Williams. No, Laverne I'm sorry. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, Steel Magnolia. This, uh, this is one of those that happened a lot. We did an early laser time about it because, like, all my bad movie channels tended to get extended versions of these failed pilots and would just call it like two Steel Magnolias mm. two and the Jerk two. Like, totally exists as a bad failed pilot. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's so weird. Uh, Steel Magnolias. This has it, it play. It's based on a play, right? Steel Magnolias. Right. So, yeah. like, all the, yeah. all plays. Are most like this are slices of life and totally worthy of being dragged down into shows. Why didn't this happen? How come you didn't have the faith? Uh, I just don't know how you do a movie because Shelby dies at the end of the movie. Or so, how do you do a TV show you after that? Stretch it Which out. Which really seems to me that they really just wanted a TV show about a bunch of ladies being friends, lady hairdressers, just like New Attitude last week. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then on the twentieth came 
the first Parenthood show that I never saw a second of. But the cast, yep. <laughs> look at this. Ed Bagley Jr., Thora Birch, Leonardo DiCaprio, and best of all, David Arquette in 1990. Uh, I, I don't – I remember watching Parenthood just like kind of blindly a few years ago. I'm like, how is this popular? And why would anybody want to base a show off of it? Why just call it anything else? It's just families. It's, <laughs> there's nothing – what defines Parenthood as a property? White people. Yes, that's it. It's only white people. Like what? White people. What is this? Why? I don't get it. I don't even know why the movie was popular. It's not very good. Yeah, I know. We all trashed it pretty hard when we talked about it. Mm -hmm. I love that this is the first of four adaptations of movies we will be talking about this TV season, and they all were bad ideas that failed horribly. Wow. Wow. You mentioned baby talk, but I forgot there is also Ferris Bueller and Uncle Buck coming up. Oh shit! That's right. Because That's back right. in the day, they would make uh, TV shows based on popular films, whereas nowadays they tend to make TV shows to redeem the fucking cinematic adaptation. <laughs> it's Dark Materials. We're going to do it right this time. Uh, and I went and did some just some weirdo cleanup because I had some extra time. I I never heard of the show Hull High. Mm-hmm. Hull High. It's a nine-episode show. It's, a, it's an hour-long drama musical set in a high school. And you sure. can find it on YouTube. Dubbed in an indeterminate language, but the songs are all in English. And yes, I mean the the raps. They are in English, but I could not understand a word. It is also, speaking of my anger at SEO, the first time in 302010 history, the reason I Googled it, oh, whole high episode, Teacher Too Sexy. Google, second link, straight porn. Just (laughs) straight. That's never happened before in 302010 research. In 302010 downtime, perhaps. And uh, all this all throughout the summer... Um, we missed the, the premiere, or maybe we talked about it. I just thought it was funny because I hadn't looked at it. Uh, ABC is running as Midsummer Replacements for 13 weeks. Super Jeopardy and Monopoly back-to-back. One of several billion Monopoly game show adaptations you've never seen. Super Jeopardy, they ditched the, the money values and added point values and then had a, final, a finale that was like a quarter of a million dollars. And Monopoly, I tried to make sense of it, but like, why would you adapt the game no one's ever finished into a 30 minute game show? The most boring (laughs) game ever. Yeah, like, like, there's too many things to do in Monopoly. And I just wanted to play you a little bit of the theme because it's 1990. I. I know you're probably thinking, like, this is going to be cheesy. This was not what I expected for a game show hosted by uh, Mark Summers at one point. <laughs> I just did not expect the pornorific. Overly sexual. <laughs> oh, my. oh, the least sexual game of all time. <laughs> Monopoly, except for the jail part. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, another beauty contest. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, everybody, everyone starts with a community chess. Co- uh, this sucks that I read so much about community this. Community chess. An old, yeah, that's pretty mm. sexual. No, the, the, an old guy actually plays the money packs, dude, and runs out and does shit. It's stupid. Oh Don't look God. into it. Um, I was going to say community chess. That was my nickname in high school. I wouldn't even, even have known. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I w- wouldn't even have known that there was a modern adaptation hosted by Mike from Mike and Molly unless I was trapped at the beach right after a hurricane. There's a version of Monopoly probably on the air right now. Who cares? Ugh. Speaking of who cares, ladies and gentlemen, it finally happened. Dick Tracy has come home to the NES and Sega Genesis. Two very different versions 
One focusing a little more on guns, given Nintendo's predilection. We'll talk more about that. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Let's bring you to the music of 1990, August 14th to the 20th. Vision of Love by Mariah Carey is still number one. We have some new releases this week. TKA with uh, Ladder Than Love, 100 Miles and Running by NWA, Eaten Eaten Back to Life by Cannibal Corpse, Liberty by Duran Duran, Peace of Mind by uh, Breathe, uh, Tire by Black Sabbath, (laughs) Firehouse's self-titled debut in Empire by Queensryche. So we're going to take ourselves out of 1990 with a little bit of Queensryche, Silent Lucidity, and we'll be right back with the year 2000. Stay right there. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. <laughs> I, we're, we're recording this on a lazy Sunday, and the perfect lazy Sunday reading just hit me. Have you been seeing that Giga Leak, the Nintendo Giga Leak? Like, there's a lot of shit confirmed. Like, is Mario actually punching Yoshi to get him to open his mouth? Ooh. According to the beta versions, that you can see him rear back, and it has hit lines when he hits Yoshi's head. Because I think Nintendo's yeah. sort of been like, no, that's not what's happening. Like, yes, it is. It always has been. Well, very important. Is something that people are upset about? Well, it's it's incredibly unethical because it, it, it is literally stolen. It's not. This is the Gigaleak because it's 100 gigabytes focusing on the Super Nintendo and the N64, and we're just seeing all this media that we've never seen before. And even grosser, they archived internal company emails, which it was the 90s, and it's not good. And oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's good. And, and an internal Argonauts email about, hey, maybe we shouldn't distribute porn in the office that Nintendo owns. Like, why, rude? <laughs> what? This is not something... They weren't in trouble for this. This is just how people talked back then, and now all of a sudden their career could be in jeopardy over this yeah. thing that was never meant to see the light of day. I don't know. Godspeed to you people. I'm sure some of my emails come off pretty bad at this point. Uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of weird language. No, there was one time... I forget how I phrase it. I should look that up, because uh, everyone thought it was pretty funny. And imagine one day you're just being a mail in your mid-twenties on an early internet on a website just to waste time with video of people doing adult things and you're scrolling through and then you find a video of yourself and all of your workmates. Oh. So I had to make a decision like, guys, our video got stolen by this porn site I frequent. Can I send a mass company email? <laughs> oh, man. And I did. And I did. And it and, and even like 15 years ago, it didn't send, set off any red flags, and most people found it funny. I remember, I think Elson highlighted, like, wow, we're trending number two right underneath Secretary Turns Fucking Into an Art Form. Uh- <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime.
2000 with Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus. Am I saying that right? Off their self-titled debut. I had no idea. I thought this song was much older than this. Well, it was big with the movie Loser that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It mm-hmm. It's like yep. kind of the theme of it. Mm-hmm. So I love this song. Yeah, I I should have mentioned when we were talking about uh, Wild at Heart that that movie popularized oh. Wicked Game, which, which David Lynch directed, out, but but not popular yet. And uh, by the time we get to like January, it's going to be on the charts. Everyone's going to discover Chris Isaac. Dude, so mm-hmm. bullshit and the horniest music video Dude, I've ever seen in my life. In an internet free world, that video played on VH1 every hour for yeah. years. It was basically <laughs> pornography yes. to I think a lot of people. <laughs> I will say from no personal experiences, I bet a lot of people did that. I, mm-hmm. I bet they did. And I, I, I probably have pre- uh, new, also new releases out in 2000. August 14th to the 20th, that's where we at. Uh, Little Kicks by Manson. Uh, Manson? Is that a. Mm-hmm. Not Marilyn Manson. Okay. Consent no. by Treatment by Blue October. Uh, we Still Crunk by Little John and the Eastside Boys. That feels. I can't believe that's that old. Uh, incomplete by Cisco is still number one. Um, we have a little bit of uh, news. Mm. So much news. I just want to say I love Teenage Dirtbag too. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like it's almost a guilty pleasure, but not really. And uh, here's a fun story. My wedding, uh, our DJ did not show up. He <laughs> turns out he was in jail for DUI. <gasps> And so uh, we used my husband's iPod to provide all the music and Teenage Dirtbag came up and everyone enjoyed dancing. And my favorite thing is I looked over and his very elderly great aunt and great uncle were slow dancing sweetly to Teenage Dirtbag. (laughs) And it was the cutest thing ever. And it's like, I love this song forever now because that's what I think of. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, Here's some music news. I'll start you with a light one. Oh, speaking of dirtbags. Only because I'm shocked by, not these ladies, just by the price. There are now available Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera dolls. Mm. Oh, they're not dirtbags. I'm sorry. In 2000, I know, I know. I I just mentioned something else. And that's not shocking because they were very popular. Mm. However, being $40 each 20 years ago is wildly excessive. That is not their, (laughs) that is not their demographics disposable income. $40 fucking dollars. Damn. Uh, that's back when you can get their CDs for like 11 and change. Uh, and speaking of music news, Eminem files for divorce from his wife, Kim. Uh, basis for the song, Kim. Uh, mm. <laughs> basis for a lot of songs. Yeah, I was shocked to find out they would they would divorce and get married again. <laughs> I love yeah. when people get married twice. I feel like that only happens in sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. Eminem's life. I'm sure she's very happy. And uh, I don't know. I was like... I'm just glad Wikipedia didn't have their own entry on this. This seems like it could have the opportunities for a lot of pieces of shit to say weird stuff. Um, <laughs> so I wish Kim a long and happy life. Hopefully you don't get murdered by your husband um, with some really tight beats. Uh, and, uh, other, <laughs> also, other... <laughs> speaking of dirtbags. Yep. Um, mm, the original breaker of uh, American democracy. Newt Gingrich marries the lady he was cheating on with, uh, his wife with during the Clinton impeachment, and they are still together to this day. Mm-hmm. Was this Definitely the... not a robot, Callista Greengrave. Definitely. Was this the woman who was uh, a robot? Like, not on her deathbed, but like uh, getting cancer treatment? Well, it's out there, canoodling, carousing. I don't remember if it's that one or if there's yet another former Mrs. Gingrich, but I know that definitely happened where he divorced his wife while she was getting cancer treatment. Uh, no, but 
the important thing is that while he was leading the charge to impeach Bill Clinton for getting a blowjob from someone who wasn't his wife, he was getting blowjobs from someone who wasn't his wife. Mm. Who is now the ambassador to the Vatican, right? Calista Greengrich? <laughs> I think what? so. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. Rain rain the swamp. So that's cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, On the other end of the the spectrum, Al Gore accepts the Democratic nomination, uh, makes out with his wife, says lockbox a lot, and picks a conservative Jewish droopy dog. As his running mate, uh, speakers of the DNC convention in 2000 include Jimmy Smith's, uh, Carolina Ted Kennedy, Jesse Jackson's, Tommy Lee Jones, Al Gore's roommate. That's right. Uh, (laughs) I really would have expected him at the other convention, but Tommy Lee Jones speaking up for the Dems. Good for him. Yep. Uh, seems very weird. It's like, is, yep. is this guy here to scold us? What? Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Jones. Yeah. Just, just in case you thought I was being mean a couple of weeks ago by uh, making fun of the, the Republican convention, I can make fun of their Democratic convention. Come on. There you go. Let's, and let's leave the news and then get right into those movies of the year 2000, starting with Godzilla 2000, a movie from last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, it's the the last theatrical Godzilla movie in the U.S. until Shin Godzilla, right. which everyone should probably watch now. That has never been like more applicable. Yeah, a movie. Yes, Shin Godzilla is all about government ineptitude. Sarah's seen it. Is I I, I made her see it. I, I yeah, took, I took because to I it. always talk about my favorite part of zombie movies is seeing how the government like mobilizes mm-hmm. and the joke in Shin Godzilla is yeah. that they do not. Right. Uh, they don't nope. know what to do. And the joke of our life right now is they do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one wants to take charge and take responsibility. So they have lots of committee meetings. As Godzilla does all these crazy things you've never seen him do before, which he does a little here in 2000. I had a little bit of spiel, but I, I'll be, uh, you'll be happy to know I reached out to one Brett Elston, uh, Godzilla mm-hmm. fan forever, to see what he thought about this movie. Because I saw this in theaters very high. Uh, Sony, <laughs> let's remember, has made... Uh, remake. Sorry, the American remake of Godzilla was 1998. Mm-hmm. So, so Sony TriStar has purchased the international rights to this Japanese film, and the last few Godzilla movies we didn't get here in theaters. So this had like a giant marketing campaign, came to theaters, got reviewed, not very well, mm-hmm. but it was largely there to wash the taste of 1998 American Godzilla. That was mm-hmm. such an awful film, but it's also <laughs> remember that Godzilla was on a break. Um, for in, for about five years, and this is the first in the Millennium Saga. What is it? What did I write down? Production began almost immediately after the American remake, and uh, it kickstarts a new continuity. This has happened before, but this is essentially the second movie since the original '54 Godzilla. Oh. Uh, the All continuity. Right. So last again, we're so we're ignoring literally like twenty movies. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's 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 it happened in 1985 as well. Ah, and, and, and and like I love the Showa period of Godzilla. Do you know the the period of Godzilla films are made, named after the emperor uh, who was in charge in Japan? <laughs> so the Showa series, uh, they were they became Goofy Kids movies. Brett says it's a very strange reboot in the wake of U.S. 1998 movie, and similarly disappointing. But the suit 
is rad as hell. <laughs> and right. he says, I'm happy to come on in uh, 2026 to talk about Shin Godzilla for 30 to 40 minutes. And hey. so we <laughs> almost did just that here. And also out this week in the I Didn't See category, but you can see on Tubi <laughs> for free. Uh, Fomke Jamson and John Favreau in Love and Sex. It's yeah. an indie movie about this writer who is trying to, you know, find Mr. Right and realizing like, oh, we want different things from relationships and is love better or is sex better? And uh, so many, I've read probably four or five reviews and they all compared it to Sex in the City and mm-hmm. said Sex in the City is so much smarter than this mm-hmm. and they want the movie to be better and it pisses them mm-hmm. off. And I'm like, oh, okay, I know that feeling. Yeah, I've seen this movie a couple times um, because it is one of my favorite people's fav- – one of her favorite movies, Darby. What? I cheese sandwich you still. Really? Um, but <laughs> it's – yeah, it's a movie that I have affection for because it is familiar to me and it has all those 2000s fashions that we love. Mm-hmm. But it is a little bit painful to watch, especially now because – Famke Jansen, you know, plays this kind of like single-ish lady who is like bouncing around trying to find love Mm. and she and Jon Favreau kind of keep coming back to each other like over a little while back and forth and he's so mean to her. Uh. He's so mean to her and it's just like watching various – because she goes through like a couple of her – like past relationships and all the men are so mean to her and it just kind of – reinforces this bad idea that like that starts when you're little children when you're toddlers where if like a boy is mean to you then that means they like you Mm. and kind of and that's kind of the point of the movie that's like comes up again and again but then she doesn't learn anything at the end she still goes with John Favreau who's kind of mean to her Mm. like I have news for you you can like your partner and you probably should (laughs) yeah don't be mean to them. Be nice to them. Even now? <laughs> what, do you have nothing but one another? <laughs> Especially now. Oh, what if she gets in the way of me beating myself up? And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and also... Uh, I mean, I just... I wish this had a better title. Love and Sex is oh, just stupid. the worst. That's the most generic. I can't remember that. It's so mm-hmm. generic. It's definitely a time capsule for 2000, both with, like, the... The fashions and kind of some regressive relationship ideas. Mm. But not a bad watch. And I, I remember, I, I love Fomke Jansen. And yeah. she has some like a, she does some weird thing with John Favreau pops up in a couple of his films. Like I think uncredited some certain times. Like they have a little, oh. a little friendly relationship like that. And it only bums me out because John Favreau kickstarted and executive produced the whole Marvel Universe and couldn't invite her because she was already a Mar- like a separate Marvel oh, character. Yeah, it's it's such a bummer. She's Jean Grey. You're right. She's Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. From only like what a month ago we yeah. had the first X Men. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I I'd never seen her before that, but really one of the most strikingly uh, gold, beautiful ladies. Gold, gold eye, man. Mm. Fucking golden eye. Right. That's right. Yeah, so, I feel like so few Bond girls like continue and have decent careers. She's yeah. so damn fun in that movie. I'm I'm really glad that she's like. Had a career, had stuff. People recognize her. I feel oh. like we haven't seen her in a while, though. Hmm. Um, we obviously didn't see the latest X Men. No, wait, she wasn't in those. Um, some of them, Days of Future Past. And anyway, anyway, uh, if I said there's a movie out starring Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughley, and Cedric the Entertainer, and Bernie Mac, and you don't know what it is, then you don't like stand up comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm. 
Spike Lee directs the original Kings of Comedy. Over one million screaming fans. 113 electrifying minutes. And the four kings of comedy. What are you going to do for excitement today? I'm going to drive past the police and pull my wallet out and hope I don't get shot 41 times. If I drop my wallet in front of police, I know the rules now. I will not pick that up. I'll kick it all the way home. The original kings of comedy. Uh, uh, this movie is oh. still fucking fun, by the way. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. I watched it this weekend, and it is a breath of fresh right mm. now, like in this horrible time. And yet, as you can tell from that clip, still very timely. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually never would have thought of in 2020 watching the film that like, oh, D.L. Hughley has emerged as one of my favorite human beings ever. And I didn't know who – I had no idea who he was. So I was like yeah. not looking forward to oh. his appearance at all. Because I hadn't seen the Hughes, we didn't didn't have fucking WB, but uh, yeah, the the Steve, Bernie, DL, and Cedric, they were uh, wrapped up a tour with. Uh, I, I can't remember if the story was Spike Lee had just started using digital uh, digital film, and got Spike Lee to direct uh, this over two nights in North Carolina, and mm-hmm. put it together really quickly. MT, it's an MTV film. Seems weird. Because they're, mm-hmm. they're all a little old, but uh, yeah, it was. It, this is like a stunning success. I think one of the most mm-hmm. successful stand-up films of all time. Yeah, uh, in, in that it it of course it cost nothing. <laughs> it cost mm-hmm. nothing, yeah. and uh, it cost nothing. My other favorite statistic: uh, if you were to line up their suits, it's the width of a football field. Good <laughs> lord, those shoulder pads! They uh, are baggy as hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's so fun, though. Like, it's just such an expression of joy. And, like, if you just know Steve Harvey as the host of Family Feud and don't really know him as a stand-up, oh, boy, is this a (laughs) treat. He is so fucking funny. Like, just – and he plays kind of the MC, so he, like, Mm -hmm. has little sets in between – the other three comics and it ends with Bernie Mac. And I think he has the longest set at the end, but I have to say my favorite was Cedric, the entertainer. Really? Cause he does a lot of physical stuff in his set. That is so funny. Like just, I don't know. Sam and I were just rolling. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah, dude. It was just a yeah. wonderful experience. I, I miss older Steve Harvey. I like Steve Harvey more back then because I, I feel like he's he's growing into one of those like older scolds a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I don't think he yells at kids to pull their pants up, but I feel like he's this close to doing it sometimes. He does yell at people to act like a woman, think like a, act like a lady, think like a man, which yeah. Yeah. Stuff not like that, great. Just, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe just it happens when you age. I don't know. It is, it is yeah. also where uh, – ta- I like his older stuff better. It's also where mm-hmm. Sam coined the phrase digital hairline looking at <laughs> looking at Steve Harvey's hair on on big on, in, on film. It like, wow, that looks ridiculous. I can't believe you pulled this off for so many years. Just take it off, man. <laughs> oh, good. It is too straight. And then John Travolta looked at it and there, he was like, this is a good idea. You can calibrate go with instruments <laughs> with Steve Harvey's hairline. It is impossible. And I I just grabbed a clip of it because, like, really the big standout, I think, for America, like, I remember people, reviewers reacting to Bernie Mac, like, the way people reacted to Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover. Like, who is this guy? (laughs) This Mm -hmm. guy's going to, this guy should be in everything. 
And it is like, even at the time, like, dude, I love this bit. <laughs> tired of fucking. <laughs> oh my God. I'm tired. You can't keep doing the same thing. Ain't your body changed? I'm 42, but I'm in good shape. But I'm tired. My body weary. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm sick of sex. Why every time I come, I'm sick of fucking. <laughs> no, I, I don't know about you. I ain't gonna bullshit. I can't, I can't do it like I used to. I used to be good. I ain't good like that no more. My shit is quick, fast. <laughs> My wife gonna tell me, I'm gonna get a young man. Go get the motherfucker. I don't give a fuck. Go get him. And I'll watch. I'll watch. That's why I watch. <laughs> you gonna kill me, man. <laughs> it don't take all night to fuck all night. 45 minutes. What am fucking for 45 minutes? Love the line at the end, like, stop all that hollering and bust a nut. I'm not going to do my wonderful Bernie Mac impression, but he was like the, I think the persona people were least familiar with. And it mm-hmm. like, he was an instant celebrity and was up until the moment he passed. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. in like upwards of three movies, terrible movies after he passed. But uh, mm-hmm. Bernie Mac, uh, he's just one of my favorites, man. And, yeah. Uh, and I, said, I love that we have a run of these. That there are, yeah. there's a whole bunch of spinoffs of like, mm-hmm. yes, this is I, I, I love this. I want this like every year to there to be like a, a stand up showcase mm-hmm. movie, right? Oh yeah, because because seeing this kind of show with a crowd is so much more fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we got queens of comedy, original Latin kings, comedians, and killers, and Kims, and yeah, there've been a whole bunch of spinoffs, and they should be like every every year. Yeah. I love it just so much. Just give me much. a showcase. What am I, and what? I just love the crowd work in this is mm. very good, too. Mm. Like, a lot of times crowd work <laughs> does not translate when you're – certainly when you're listening to an album. Um, but even when you're watching, you know, just a stand-up, like, taping. And mm. it's so good in this. I absolutely love it. <laughs> that reminds me. I I've, was just remembering after we were talking about Comedy Central Presents. Like, I was at, a, I was at four of those recordings. I should look for my reaction shot. I might mm-hmm. be in there. Eugene Merman. Brag. Yeah, they filmed it at the Fillmore, right down the street from my house. Uh, And holy shit, this movie. I I have not thought about this in years. We got to talk about this movie, y'all. We got to talk about this movie. I was really hoping. uh, Sarah, had you seen this movie before? I watched it last night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, because this is one. It's It's one of these movies like it's bad and yet I want everyone to watch it. Agree. Agree. And I really was hoping that some one of you hadn't seen or heard of it before. No, no, because like, and it's number one at the box office. Because like, that's the thing. Like, I can't think of anything else like this. Like, maybe the Matrix. That like, this was so visually stunning in trailers. People like, we have to see what's going to go. And when I looked looking at clips of it now, like, this looks like a really low rent of like, this looks like a the shitty version of whatever the fuck Beyonce does. Like it looks so much cheaper. I, <laughs> like, I think it. I mean, I watched it last night on DVD, and I think it still looks pretty good. Honestly, I don't know. Just like, some of it's like you are definitely walking alone in the desert next to a stick. That's well, <laughs> very. I know. I know. But like, that's what happens when you make a visually striking movie. It's it's odd that sometimes that doesn't hold up very well. It ages. It's it's been copied. Maybe it's just that it's influential. Mm, because yeah, visually, true. the cell, the cell is mm-hmm. what we're talking the about. Cell, by Tarsim Singh. Uh, it looks different. It's not good, but it looks different. Yeah, I think it. Oh, it, it's pure gobbledygook. If, if I but... remember the, the fandom, like everybody was excited, like what the fuck is this? And when people people went to find out. We're not very happy, and word of mouth was bad. <laughs> yeah. But like, it looks it looks insane. It looks like a 
it looks like something from the Krim Master saga. And, and, and yes, the Krim Master cycle. Yeah. It is a Matthew Barney like installation. It's yeah. also a very long tool video. Marianne, John Baptiste, Dylan Baker, Jake Weber, Vincent Nafrio, Vince Vaughn, and Jennifer Lopez in the cell. And it doesn't stop. There is a girl that is missing. Her name is Julia Hickson. He is the only one that knows where she is. If he was conscious, do you think that he would tell you where she is? Are you sure? Oh, so, um, fuck, what is All the- right. I'm going to need Vince Vaughn, mm. Vincent D'Onofrio, and Vin Diesel to be in a movie together. Ooh. And we're going to call it Vin Santo, where they play three <laughs> sommeliers that uh, specialize in dessert wines. <laughs> Make this happen, Hollywood. It's a million-dollar idea. And uh, I will, uh, the critic will call my review rubbish, Vin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I missed my I missed my mark. Um, the cell, man. This is like difficult okay. to describe, but like, yeah, it's so weird. It's gonna be that film like you haven't thought about in years, but everyone who was cared about movies was really into the idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I or just remember it. the ads and being yeah. like, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. Oh, the ads totally scared me off when it came out, which is why I had not seen it until last night. Um. But I screwed up my courage and I watched it last night and it's not good, but I really Mm. liked it a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like it was just quite a visual journey. And like, I guess the story is that like this, there's some science that basically allows Jennifer Lopez, who is a child psychologist, to go into her patient's brain through some sort of technological gobbledygook and uh, and help them maybe come out of like a catatonic state. Mm-hmm. And so she does that for a very gruesome serial killer in order to try to find this woman that he has holed up somewhere that he's torturing that it's, it's, you know they caught him and he went into some sort of coma and so she's trying to it's, find it's like an inception where police procedural <laughs> yeah 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 that's yeah. a good way to put it for mm-hmm. sure yeah except instead of having everything designed by uh juno everything is designed by a really weird guy <laughs> the alien also from is... men in black <laughs> yeah but who's also watched black is king a couple times and well like really high so mm-hmm. I've just Tarsim Singh is one of these guys I, I'm fascinated by. This is his first movie. Um, he mostly was a music video director to Losing My Religion. No. Everyone remembers that video. Mm-hmm. Held surprise. He also The Fall is actually a good movie that he's done. Uh this one is mostly like his thing is just crazy fucking visuals. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're in service of something and sometimes they are not. Mm-hmm. Is wait, is the fall the one with Lee Pace? No. Wait, let me remember. It's about a little in. Yes, it is. Yes, Lee Pace. I forgot that okay. was Lee Pace. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. the Indian girl in the I was hospital. Thinking this looks very similar. Like this, this is the same family, so that makes sense. It's the same director. Yeah. Yeah, the visuals are quite disturbing through most of this, but yet still very beautiful in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I love the costuming. Oh, well, the costuming, uh, Tarsim Singh worked a lot with, uh, let me see if I can say her na- name right, Aiko Ishioka, who okay. also did Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. And she 
was just it, it's a loss we lost her in 2012 her costume designs were just the craziest shit ever and they're always a highlight <laughs> if anything yes. anything that she worked on it's like well that movie was okay but oh my god those extras costumes yeah it's they're pretty astounding i mean ugh. The whole thing with like when Jennifer Lopez's character is like the prisoner and she has that whole headdress. Oh, gorgeous. Like uh, there are definitely chains across her face and sort of like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I almost want to say like, hey, watch this movie with the sound off because Uh. it's stupid and it makes no sense a lot of the times. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of this movie, and I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it right now, is that she does all this stuff to go into Vince. D'Onofrio's brain and like try to save this woman he has hold up and then they find the lady just using good old police work by (laughs) Hank for Breaking Bad. (laughs) Hank for Breaking Bad basically like helps figure out where this lady's being held and they didn't even need to go into inside of his brain. (sighs) I mean but still I think it's worth a watch because it is really interesting visually. Yeah I think uh, fascinating for a major studio to take a chance like this in the summer. Mm -hmm. On, on yeah. what's it, like a not for it was one of the first trailers I remember having a red band trailer mm-hmm. uh, oh. online. Yeah. Well, an end really fascinating choice for Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. at this yeah. point in her career. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the last movie we saw her in? Out of Sight? Like uh, two years made ago? Made in Manhattan. Something. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. Know. But now she's also like approaching the peak of her powers, right? In, in pop music. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. She's we're gonna, huge right now yeah. for pop music. On the so, Six is out, I think. This is a very interesting choice for her to make, considering, you know, as a pop star, who her audience is probably, you know, younger people, younger teenagers, probably. This is a weird choice for her to make right now. And I appreciate it. I applaud it. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. good on the cell. Yeah, it's 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 hard to slam because like it it's 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 fucking interesting and it's a it's a real risk and you with 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 god knows what's happening with movies and theaters right now like it, it you couldn't even imagine anybody banking on an untested director on a concept like this in the summer oh, yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty nuts well and also it does definitely deals with like themes of trauma and how that affects you and especially trauma when you're a child but it's not deep enough to really sing anything about any of that stuff so you know <laughs> oh and, and just, it would have a straight to dvd sequel 10 years later God damn. Oh, that's, that's not surprising god damn walmart um anyway moving on to television of 2000 august 14th through the 20th the weakest link debuts in the uk uh during the daytime moves to prime time in a few months and eventually heads back to daytime and runs until 2011. And that's one of those shows we stole but didn't fire the host, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Brought her over because everyone likes being talked down to by a British lady. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, it's like the nuns. And the, no. Uh, <laughs> I always – I never liked this show. I really hated every everything following in the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire footsteps. They were all yeah. excruciating. This one I found rather interesting because they – basically took who wants to be a millionaire and found a way to graph survivor onto it where it's mm-hmm. like they're voting people off and they're bad talking each other and their strategy and criticizing each other and they're they're trying to encourage them to fight amongst themselves while playing a game show wow wow like all right you you found like the perfect thing for 2001 and then it will flame out brilliantly and we'll always not think about it anymore there <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know, also things I can't speak to at all on the 14th, Dora the Explorer debuts. I'm, we're not expected to know about this, are we? Nah. Dora the Explorer. Uh, 
it's hugely popular and it's been on the air for 20 years. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, not in a place I could see it because guess what? Little Chrissy is never home during the day watching Nick Jr. Not in 2000. Nowadays, who knows? It's a, it's, it's a total cr- – it's, yes, very likely. But Dora's already had its movie adaptation. Like it's gone through all the cycles of pop culture. It's come. It's gone. It's come back again. They've got a major motion picture. Dora the Explorer, ladies and gentlemen. I know there's a monkey somewhere. Yeah, no, um, no swiping. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I just, I, I don't know if I had mentioned this at all in 302010 history because I do 11,000 podcasts a week. Um, it's the final, it's, this is the debut of the final season of the Chris Rock show. Oh. Which is, it is technically a talk show, but it's just like this much better. It should be like the first two seasons are on DVD, HBO Max. Dude, what are you doing? I would love, yeah. I love this show. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I sometimes I feel like it was my letterman. Like Chris Rock was huge, and then got this show with writers I, Vernon Chapman from Wonder Showsen and Louis C.K. But like a, a crazy amount of funny people with Wanda Sykes and Pootie Tang and all that shit coming from Chris Rock's show, and it's like it's nowhere, and it's never been seen again. Uh, it's 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 ridiculous. You can buy I think the first two seasons on YouTube, but the fifth season I just I managed to find a snippet of it. Um, Chris Rock is making fun of Dennis Miller for joining the cast of uh, Monday Night Football, but claims because he, but only because he wanted the job. And this is his audition tape with a real inside the NFL guy. Touchdown! Oh, my bad. That's all right, Chris. Let's just go back and take a look at the replay here. See, this brother's like saying, "Hey, hey, I'm open. Throw me the ball, cracker." No offense, Chris. He makes the catch. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and I I see no reason why that shouldn't happen. Chris Rock show, come on HBO Max, put it on there. I'm not going to be able to steal my parents' password forever. They will die someday. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a. It it was nominally a talk show. It was more like a sketch show. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple a couple and of its, its some of the sketches pieces. Were so good. Yeah, and, and because of the nature of what it was, they tend to like reemerge occasionally and go viral, and like no one can call, like what the fuck is this? And like yeah, no, this is a Chris Rock show sketch. How to not get your ass beat by the police? Or or my my favorite one was, and I probably shouldn't even say it. Uh, it was a video guide. For college-educated blacks on how to sneak your watermelon home, and wait. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so you won't be judged. Um, <laughs> it's so awesome. I I really did like the show, and it had some of the best interviews like ever. If you want yeah, to see Chris Rock, talk interviews. to George Carlin about acid. Like uh, <laughs> you're not going to see that in any other talk show. Um, I'm just like scrolling through. Oh, what are some of the? Are there any sketches I remember? And of course, I immediately remember the the very serious after school special. Daddy still has a flat top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I especially liked the um, Million Men March action figure set. Collect them all. Um, <laughs> act now, and we'll throw in the brother and the lime green suit. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Chris Rock show. Um, moving on to games, 
I should have said Chrono Cross came out last week because it came out this week. So I took everything I said, put it into this week, and then also the part where I say we'll talk more about this in depth on patreon.com slash laser time. So let's get out of 2000 because we got still have 2010 ahead of us and really one of my favorite rewatches of the week. Um, and we'll close out with some Manson. I can only disappoint you, and we'll be right back. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans to take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-hosts Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. <laughs> And when you look well, at sci-fi from the 60s, what defines sci-fi are things like Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, uh, Silent Running, which has a, you can see a lot of, I think, the same robot designer from Silent Running, which is about Bruce Dern locked in a biosphere going mad with three robot partners. Soylent Green, a movie, a dystopic movie about the future where humans are eating one another. Westworld, where robots, robots rising up against us. That's what this is going up against. There is not sci-fi of adventure anymore it is sci-fi of society and where will this all take us how dare we have the hubris to think we are gods that's like the thesis (laughs) of all sci-fi at this point you know what the highest grossing sci-fi movie of all time is at this point not adjusted what year uh let's say let's say 68 around the time thx 1138 comes out uh bam jeremy with the boom discovery one Voyages towards Jupiter, controlling the mission, is a talking computer known as Hal. You don't have to have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think most of us have a general idea of what it is. I've seen it a ton of times. I enjoy it. In the mid-70s, proposing a movie like Star Wars would put it in what the studios considered the same genre as 2001. Yeah. It seems preposterous. Mm. Like, these couldn't be further... And, and believe me, as a little kid who gotcha. saw this on TV, like, oh, I love Star Wars. I should check out 2001 A Space Odyssey. But essentially, they were too close to see what a cultural change they were right in the middle of, is what you're saying. I think, I don't know. I don't want to shit on Star Wars because it's very important to oh, me. really? Not uh, like you have a whole podcast series devoted to your Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars, available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 14th through 20th, happy Fiji Day, everybody! The World War II is finally over, and it only costs, I don't know, like 60 million lives, whatever. Hey, 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 hey! Uh, 
Yeah, the 20th century was really bad, you guys. Just, just really bad when it comes to, like, bloodshed and shit. But when it comes to movies, pretty damn good. So let's talk about that instead. Uh, 70 years ago this week, August 10th, 1950, saw the release of one of my favorite films by one of my favorite filmmakers that I've brought up many times, which are Billy Wilder. And this time it's Sunset Boulevard in 1950, starring William Holden, Gloria Swanson, and Eric von Stroheim. Uh, yeah, one of the best movies ever made. There, done. See you next week. No, just kidding. Um, uh, yes, it's in the National Film Registry. Yes, it was on the American Film Institute's list of 100 Best American Films. Deservedly so. Uh, top 20 both times. Because um, it's kind of perfect. Like, I guess it's technically a noir, but it is not a detective story as such. It's uh, it's just sort of its own thing. It's different. It's about a screenwriter who's super down on his luck, who ends up moving in um, with this silent film star that's a recluse and promising that he can help her revitalize her career and weird mind games and shenanigans and problems ensue. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you really, really should. If you read The Disaster Artist, of all things, uh, or like The Room, you should probably watch Sunset Boulevard uh, in the book, not as much the movie Disaster Artist. He references Sunset Boulevard a lot. And it's a great fucking comparison of just running into someone whose artistic ambitions maybe don't match reality so much. Uh, and how they sort of draw you in with their magnetism and their weirdness and wanting to understand them. And uh, Gloria Swanson is fucking amazing. She kind of got a reputation for like, she's just playing herself because she had been a silent star. But no, I mean, she was not that nutty pants she was actually pretty well adjusted uh and had an interesting life on her own that you should probably look into but sunset boulevard from 1950 absolute must watch in the diana canon and that's it for this week stay classic Welcome back with some Iron Maiden coming in with El Dorado screaming into 2010. Um, Listen to Iron Maiden, baby. You know, and I saw that we had Iron Maiden in the same episode. I was going to play it with Teenage Dirtbag. Come on. Yeah, you're good. You're that good. It, it's it's one of the like the few bands that, like to their credit, like, did you guys ever evolve or change? No, this is fine. This is it. All hilarious. I couldn't believe their music existed when I heard it, and it never changes. I love it. Uh, <laughs> new releases for music this week. 2010, August 14th to 20th, we have The Illusion of Safety by Hoziers. Uh, F- Fight the Frequency by American Hi-Fi. Brian Wilson reimagines Gershwin. I wonder what that's about. Uh, Tomorrow Morning by Eels. No, uh, better, no Better Than This by John Mellencamp. Get the cougar out of here. God willing. Uh, and The Creek Don't Rise by Ray Lamontang. Lamontang. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seventh Symphony by Apocalyptica and Love Love the Way You Lie by Eminem. Featuring Rihanna is still number one. Eminem making two appearances. Good for you, I brother. I guess that's why they call it a window paint. <laughs> <laughs> um, tiny bit of news. Uh, the last U.S. combat troops are extracted from Iraq this week, ten years ago, and every Middle East conflict was done forever. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mission so we accomplished. Definitely have no other personnel there <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. No, nope. ever. Biggest Yuck. wink in the world. Yuck. Uh, and it, somewhat inexplicably, The Expendables is number one at the box office as we come into movies August 14th to the 20th in 2010. I don't know. I guess was I too hard on The Expendables? You, yeah. you no. tell me. You were hard enough. Uh, Just hard enough. Uh, and, and also out this week, new movies, a film unfinished. Oh uh, yeah, this is uh, it's a documentary that is a super bummer. We have not <laughs> we have not hit any documentaries that are not super bummers lately. After mm-hmm. you know Restrepo, what two weeks ago? Uh, this one is about a Nazi propaganda film they were making about how the Warsaw Ghetto is great and all the Jews live happily there Whoa. and it's so much better that we're separate. And they like go talk to people who like lived in the ghetto and see some of the footage and it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. So mm. do they, they present... It's rough, but necessary. Wow. Okay. Um, speaking of the exact opposite, Vampire Suck, mm. <laughs> starring no one but Ken Jeong. Rough, uh, but deeply unnecessary. Deeply <laughs> unnecessary roughness. This is that, that, that shameless duo of uh, nepotistic uh, filmmakers who make the yep. awful parody movies, who yep. try and get their movie out before the movies they're parodying so they can only make fun of the trailers. It's, it is, man... Will this be fun to watch in 10 years? Will this be like 30, 20, 10, the movie? I, I don't know. But like I was, I, I'm, now I'm really curious. Holy shit. We could, just, we could sit there like historians. Like the leave Britney alone person was. Uh, <laughs> uh, vampires suck. We're not going to talk that much about it. Uh, yeah. I don't have much to say about Bow Wow, Ice Cube, and Brendan T. Jackson in Lottery Ticket. Grandma, we won the lottery. This summer, nobody can know about this. He's got the ticket. We got a miracle in the house today. But everyone wants a piece. Hand over that ticket. Can you protect yourself at all times? What you got? Get your left foot. Bow Wow. Brandon T. Jackson, Naturi Nard, Keith David, Charlie Murphy, Terry Crews, Mike Epps, T-Pain, Loretta Devine, and Ice Cube. Lottery ticket. Kevin, this is my ex-wife. Built like a sack of laundry. This is the wife that God want me to have. That's not right. <laughs> okay. Got me, Mike. Uh, well, it has Keith David in it. That's good. That's good. That's true. It's got a whole bunch of people are like in it. I love Loretta Devine. That's good. Yeah, it was just so formulaic, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah Stevie, Stevie Wonder music in your trailer can work wonders on me. Okay. But this, my favorite watch of the week, <laughs> Eli Roth, Paul Shearer, Riley Steele, Kelly Brook, Richard Dreyfuss, Di- uh, Meyer, Adam Scott, Christopher Lloyd, Elizabeth Shue, Ving Rames, Jessica Shore, and Jerry O'Connell, Piranha 3D. There are many summer films for the whole family. This isn't one of them. There's something in the water! On August 20th... Oh, my God! Don't scream. Just swim. Piranha in 3D. Mm, Good Lord. (laughs) Good Lord. I was was ready to like, you know, I guess I could say this is probably the best Paul Shearer movie. No, no. Uh, This disaster artist, he's fucking great in that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, But then I watched more of it and even the things I hated became better and better and better. I was rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Richard Dreyfuss opening (laughs) where even he said, like, I think they... I think I think it is like me from Jaws. They they dressed him in the exact same yep. attire 
He's it the was first, canon, damn it. He's the first person murdered. He's listening to the song uh, him and Quint and Roy Schreider sang, uh, sang on the boat. Huh. And he's and he's Richard Dreyfus is murdered and it's trying to go for a Jaws vibe. Jaws, the movie Diana, I have sent you um, the oh. 4K version as a belated birthday present. Oh, and thank you. Yes, I, by sent you I mean it's in my cart and I keep forgetting to look up your address. I got this though. I got this because <laughs> uh, 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 for the first part of this movie, I feel like they're like. Oh, what? I forgot. I forgot too much about it. They're going for a Jaws thing, and like it's really wearing its R rating on its sleeve, and I don't like it. It's not tongue in cheek enough. It's sexism isn't funny. And then I I look into it, and Jerry O'Connell's like, "Yeah, I'm playing the Girls Gone Wild guy," and the Girls Gone Wild guy sent him a cease and desist, and he's like, mm-hmm. "I can no longer say I'm playing the Girls Gone Wild guy, but I'm wow. but I am playing Joe Francis, the worst, <laughs> I believe." Doug Stanhope described as the worst person in the world. Yeah, a terrible, (laughs) terrible man. Which makes it a little fun. Like, it was really hard to watch, like, his character just because, like, good Lord, did this date poorly over 10 years. Like, oh, no, you are playing the biggest piece of shit of the time. Neat. Okay. And Jerry O'Connell, like, skirted lawsuits to, like, make sure everyone knew that. (laughs) And um, and Ah, So, I just want to say, much like Exorcist 3... This this has a weird pedigree going back to the seventies and a long hiatus. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, starting with uh, Piranha, which is uh, a Roger Corman produced Jaws ripoff directed by Joe Dante. Joe Dante's first real film. Yeah, and, uh, and and noted. I don't. Do you remember when we were little kids? Like whatever. Like on TV, they talk about cable. They talk about cursing and nudity. Whereas, like you know, most of the nudity was on HBO. I we had cable. I didn't see any fucking nudity. Mm. I, I was. I recorded piranha at like two in the morning off of tbs sometime in the early 90s and did that all that go in the spank bank it, it, a lot of nudity <laughs> a lot of nudity and that's yeah. the that's the worst almost happened cameo joe dante who i am having a personal renaissance with love that man really would like a copy of gremlins a puppet story the gremlins documentary that's out now um mm. and and it's joe dante's first movie piranha 2 is james cameron's first movie they yeah. had slated a cameo for both of them to be like fishermen or teachers, and James Cameron couldn't do it at the last second. I think that would have been the coolest thing in the universe. <laughs> and uh, Piranhas, I also looked up. Uh, I think Sarah and I spent a lot of podcast time defending sharks. Piranhas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are pussies. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I saw a fucking some black dude on, on, on a Facebook video like, let me show you how piranhas are pussies. <laughs> And, it, and he, he's like, look how he throws a chicken, uh, a chicken cutlet in there. He's like, they, dude, they'll poke at it. They will not fully go near it. And I was reading about like the piranhas, like almost never. They're way too shy to a- attack humans. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know what kind of fish eats your dead body? All fish, all fish sure. eat your dead body. Mm-hmm. And piranhas, like I think they said, like there has to be a severe drought overpopulation and they have to be starving to go anywhere near humans yet we've made them into the these murderous little fishes like it would take for it would take forever to be killed by piranhas <laughs> but these are prehistoric piranhas unleashed from the center of the earth so at least they established right. that um sorry yeah. i have too much to and say then, about this film and, but right. I, I, uh I, yeah so i mean like you were saying with the original piranha mm-hmm. you know the, they're going for crass you know, there's a lot of chicks in bikinis going, oh, no, my top fell off and the piranhas are eating it. They're, <laughs> they're doing it 100%. It is so it's tongue in cheek, but it's not where it's like 
they're getting the best of both worlds. Like we're getting boobies, but we're also getting a laugh with boobies. But also boobies. It's it's like the, the boobies. I just love that. Like I'm at the stage of my maleness where like these boobs do nothing for me. I wish they weren't <laughs> even here. But but <laughs> but but devouring a cock in full on 3D is yep. still disgusting and hilarious. Yes. In in that they go back to it. <laughs> go back to yeah, it. There is a beautiful 3D shot <laughs> in... of of, uh, of Jerry O'Connell's disembodied cock. The things they wow. do to Jerry O'Connell, the character you hate the most, are, is, it's so fucking funny. I have never seen any character have that done to him outside of like Wolverine or someone with regenerative powers. It is so vulgar and gross. And I'm not kidding. I think it has a leg up on Jaws because it's like the first half hour is foreboding and cliched and kind of mundane. And then when the piranhas attack that cove for like 30 straight minutes, it is a raw effects film. And it is it is it is fucking splendid. It is it is wonderful. <laughs> Watching a girl's hair get tugged off with a boat motor and taking the Ooh. top part of her skin off her skull oh, no. with it. Uh, oh, hard pass on that. Dude, it it is great i think when we saw the meg it was like everything i wanted to see the meg do but like you know a shark just kind of like chomp gone and like great where this is like people slowly crawling to get away yet they cannot and (laughs) just having their skin flayed off of them the water is dyed completely red and it is a very long sequence i was Mm. shocked to find out ving rames is in the sequel (laughs) Yeah. yeah so i mean it does bring some real horror it definitely brings a whole bunch of comedy. It brings something I mentioned during Hollow Man, wanting to see action star Elizabeth Shue. Yes. She's like sure. really good in this. Adam mm-hmm. Scott is a ton of fun. Like everyone's like, they know they're, it's, it's interesting to compare this to Sharknado where it's like, they're both trying to be like silly, bad movies, mm-hmm. but like Piranha 3D actually has like movie quality. And yes. Sharknado's just dumb. By by what Alexandre Aja, like mm-hmm. yeah, bona fide horror director. I love hating on hot tension, but man, that movie's fun and really stupid. Uh, <laughs> but but like, and so is this. Like all filmed yeah. on Panama City of the West, Lake Havasu. They are uh, they went there. <laughs> they filmed on the uh, famous Pamela Lee Tommy Tommy Lee Pamela location. Uh, I fucking r- the middle of this film. I fucking loved it it is perfect schlock <laughs> horror from people who for people who really understand that and mm. and and i it made me so on board with the rest of the film as i went further through it and I, almost to the point where i can't wait to watch it again if you need to stream it it is available through cable or sling through ifc ifc has it streaming uh with some <laughs> commercials but unedited and and Always sadly on, sadly not mm-hmm. not in 3D cuz like it does have a couple of those embarrassing shots like this is framed weird oh yeah this is supposed to yeah. be in 3D that's that dick is yeah. very much in the center being torn apart by fish <laughs> uh, yeah i i still have never gone to see uh the sequel piranha 3 double d mm-hmm. um, i i've heard that it's that like it doesn't get the tone right mm-hmm. you know it's it's trying to be like again like hey there's boobies haha but scary but boobies and it's just they just can't get the tone of naughty horror correct mm-hmm. and like mm, it is a hard needle to thread i especially fans of bad movies i think this is a lot of fun because it it is a b movie it knows it's a b movie 
and it has fun with that. Yeah, I, I think and some of my only criticism about it is that it, it's trying really hard to be a B movie, but mm. like you know, you got reputable people here. You got the prettiest lady in the world and Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> and uh, Ashlyn Brooke, one of my favorite retired porn stars. And, huh. and, and Adam Scott, like I think before everybody knew who Adam Scott was. That's Adam a, Scott from Twerk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an- another thing, like um, his, his death is the last thing in the movie and it's spoiled in every trailer. Yeah. And, well, apparently Homeboy shot footage purposely to like just show as promotional material. Mm. And didn't really give, and it doesn't really matter. Like... Um, because you know he could still be alive, even though the sequel doesn't really corroborate that. But it's just that middle part, man. That was like, no, this is a movie with a budget, with a director, with a really good hand. Mm-hmm. This this looks great. This is a fucking silly massacre. And at, at, <laughs> and I, maybe it's at this point, like you just, I'm projecting that all the people, all the glossy white people in this cove being devoured are like mass denying idiots it just yeah. it make, it'll make you so much happier to watch just just mm. models <laughs> being ripped to shreds and it's so many and so long it's, oh so just pretend it's happening right now yeah. and you're like yeah covid can't scare us Go we're gonna it. have a party <laughs> yeah pretend pretend smash mouth and trapped are playing on the stage barge that goes down and sends all the people back into the wall it is it is <laughs> smash mouth you really betrayed us man yeah yeah you uh, yeah, you, I'm revoking your all-star status. Um, but Piranha 3D, I had a fucking great time with. It is a yep. B-movie just done, like, done wonderfully. And I think the only reason it's cheating is because everyone knows – everyone sort of knows what they're making. So it's like uh, – and everyone's too professional to be making something like this. So it has mm. – dude, it has a budget and com- a competence surrounding it. So some of that like irritates me because like it, I wish it was shot cheaper and sillier. But like – it was so. It becomes more rewarding as you watch, and made me happy all over again. I did not think this would be my thirty twenty ten lock of the week, but uh, <laughs> Piranha three D man, I had a fucking blast. Made yep. me feel real good, real good. And not like the next movie. Yeah, which, the next movie actually made money, and that's wrong. It made wrong. money because it's cheap as hell. We have a ten million dollar comedy with Jennifer Aniston in it. As well as Jeff Goldblum, Juliette Lewis, Patrick Wilson, and Jason Bateman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, The Switch from 2010. I would like you to be the first to know I'm having a baby. A party for insemination? Only Cassie would do it like this. I'm Roland, the uh, donor. Well, I'm Cassie's best friend. That's okay. Wally, I hate it when you drink. You lose total control. You were so drunk last night. I don't remember any of that. This is Uncle Wally. Hi. There's these similarities. He looks just like you. You don't think that I could have switched Roland's ingredient for my... Okay, okay. So I just read about this this film. this fucking movie. So, like, (laughs) Jason Bateman plays a guy uh, who's friend-zoned to Jennifer Aniston. He's always wanted to get in there. Mm-hmm. No, they dated for a little while and then they were like, oh, it just okay. doesn't work out. But it's always been kind of a thing between them. But they're best the friends. The trailer showed me that he ac- he got drunk and accidentally knocked over the donor sperm. So he needed to refill it in a no. perfect friend sitcom premise. No, no, no. <sighs> no? This, is, this movie is 
not good. And so, no, he goes to her insemination party and gets super drunk, goes in the bathroom, sees the sample of the guy that she wants to use his sperm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Patrick Wilson, hello, who wouldn't want, and dumps it out into the sink and then is like, oh, no, what did I do? And then uses his own. (laughs) I was on pins and needles to see how you were going to explain that. While looking at a magazine cover that had Diane Sawyer on it, which is literally the only funny part of this movie, is (laughs) Diane Sawyer keeps coming up as like a sexual object, which I love. But yeah, Patrick Wilson, Juliette Lewis, and Jeff Goldblum, you're better than this, guys. Yeah, you're all better than this. This is so, this is, this is wrong. It's wrong. it's I mean it's horrible. gross it's gross that it's like oh he's in the friend zone and then I mean this seems like legally actionable. Oh right. it's assault. It, it, it feels rapey. Assault. You yeah. can't you can't yeah. put babies in people. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't sneak babies into people mm-hmm. without them knowing you're doing it. That's fucking gross and weird. You can't and sneak then, your guys in there. Right. And then she wants someone else's guys. Yeah, he acts all like Man, and oh, but I love this kid now, and we should be thinking. She's like, I found out what thing you did. Oh, actually, I love you anyway. It's like, no, no, all this is no. This oh, should all no. end in court. And, and as, is, uh, these are the actions of a sociopath, and it goes back to love and sex, where it's like this is a, supposed to be a love story where the man is very mean to the woman. Mm. Like, no, 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 no. I'm starting. Not I'm starting to think the men in your life are too nice to you, Sarah. I'm going to start cracking the whip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you're so kind to me. <laughs> uh, I've, I've cleaned up a bathroom after you. How about that? What? <laughs> what? what? It, never mind. It was an occasional, uh, yes, uh, on a COVID gathering. You have to use the utility bathroom. Okay, you just implied that I like. No, no, no. You did not. your bathroom you did not, in a disgusting you, way, which I did not. She did. She, Jason Bateman, my bathroom. She spilled all of my sperm. <laughs> not, not Chris's sperms, but like the sperm in my possession. Spilled it everywhere. It, was, it looked like a Japanese game show on that floor, Sarah. And I had, I had to clean it all up. That, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, what? Sorry. Neither, neither here nor there. But yeah, yeah. This, this, everything about the description, I'm like, this is, this is a comedy. And we so like good. these people. Yeah. No. no. Uh-uh. Yeah. Nope. Because I I couldn't get a good read on it. Because like, is this guy friend zoned or not? Because this seems like this seems like a very sad watch. <laughs> so seven years <laughs> later, wakes up to realize his best friend, who he hasn't spoken to in seven years, right? Yeah, yeah. And so as, she moves away to like the Midwest to be near her mom, and then like seven years later, is like surprise, I'm moving back to New York. I want to be friends again. And you know You're they're all, all like. They're all rich sports marketers with like a great Manhattan apartment. They could definitely uh-huh. travel to see one another. As a professional drunk, I would never forget an emergency jerk like that I did at a fucking human party. Like to <laughs> Diane Sawyer. To Di- yes, like those. That's the kind of thing that wakes you up out of a trunk, uh, especially if you actually can get it done. And, and why is she having this party? That's fucking gross and dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's no. I'm not so mad at that part of it. I mean, no, 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 no. party. You have the party after you're inseminated. And it's called a baby shower. You don't leave the sample just in the bathroom for anyone to mess with. That's wild. If I were Patrick Wilson, I would be really disgusted by this. Like, you want me to go jerk off while you and your family are having Bellinis out here? That's weird. (laughs) 
I don't want to do that. I, I How guess, is that I, different from any other baby shower? I guess like straight heteronormative couples don't have a party when they're about to fuck. <laughs> like mm. about to create a baby. <laughs> like no one does that. Bring everyone over. We're going to try and do this, everyone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. if you're unpartnered and you're intentionally creating a child, I, I'm down for doing a a, no. a creation party. No, I don't want to be part of people's sex lives. I don't want to be involved. It's not sex. It's just creation. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's sex because Patrick Wilson is jerking it in the bathroom, presumably also to Diane's. I, I hate to break this, Diana, but you have no idea how many people are having sex as they listen to this right now. You are a part of a lot of people's <laughs> sex lives. Okay. This, I, there's a chance this podcast is playing over a loudspeaker in the world's worst sperm clinic. <laughs> well then I, I hope I'm helping. Yes. I know but I, I don't want to see it. Classic corner puts people in the boot zone. Really I've does. been saying this for so long. It really does. <laughs> Stay classic and hard. Oh, it takes me back to simpler times. It's way easier to keep it up. I love it, Di. Don't stop. <sighs> I'm so sorry this went off the rails. But it was <laughs> But like, how are we supposed to have a real discussion about this movie? It's baffling. Yeah, this movie sucks. The, the most—it's not it. baffling that no. it's got it got made. I think it's baffling the people involved and that it was number one. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe mm. this is back in the day when you could stick every like celebrity you can think of and make something number one because this this. Yeah. I knew no one who was interested in seeing this fucking film. Well, luckily, it's number one behind Expendables. Right. So that okay. makes you feel a little bit like, given the choice, yeah, fucking go watch Expendables. This yeah. shit blows oh, up. Yeah. It's fine. There. Yeah. Piranha 3D. But Piranha 3D is where you should You don't been. have to think about dicks in Piranha 3D. They show you the dicks. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Uh, good Lord. Um, all right. Moving on. Oh, boy. This is, this is sad to me. Mm. Um, at the movies on television. Moving into television, 2010, August 14th to the 20th, at the movies, otherwise known as Siskel and Ebert, yeah. uh, is canceled. Yeah. yeah. Is it canceled uh, or do they just decide? No, it's, it's like outright. You This sent me down a rabbit hole because um, I'm not sure you remember when this happened, but like f- the internet film world was up in arms mm-hmm. after Roger Ebert. Uh, the, people were pretty okay with Roper. But then, yeah. like, the next few hosts, there are still websites demanding their dismissal and, like, campaigns revolving around getting these people pulled off the air for ha- having the balls to host it. Not you, Ben Mankiewicz, your treasure. Um, but the, <laughs> the story of Ben Lyons is, like, it, it brought me – I went back and looked at all of that shit. Urgh. It was a e-talking head model guy who does mostly sports stuff now who didn't know anything about movies, but he's – I believe <laughs> – I believe it in a write up from another critic he called uh he called <laughs> what was the, he called I am legend the greatest movie ever made and and he <laughs> he, te- he tended to Aww. talk in like blurb form oh, and like I was on the edge of my seat uh my oh, heart was in he my wants throat to get on a poster. um and and he's, he's like yeah. and like every time that and every dude the internet was so so fucking mad and there is something about this show in Siskel and Ebert, like they made movies feel very, very important, which I maybe it's my age combined with the glut of content we tend to get, but they they do feel a little more disposal disposable now. But like, if something was talked about in Siskel and Ebert, it was very important. It was a very important conversation. And once mm-hmm. and once Ebert couldn't do the show anymore, it had this revolving door of let's try it out, hosts. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Internet critics, Jay Leno would sit in uh, as the yeah, second. They the have second some guest. real ones, you know, A.O. Scott. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. The no last iteration, like, seemed poised to, like, this is good. But, like, I think every the writing was on the wall. Like, this isn't the only place to do in-depth film criticism. And even calling it in-depth feels silly mm -hmm. compared to, like, most most of you watching 20-minute YouTube videos on stuff. Th these people had, like, three minutes to talk about a new movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I can understand how it would seem inconsequential. But, like, it, it was, like, for, in terms of criticism, like, Siskel and Ebert were the literal Mickey Mouse of film criticism for <laughs> decades. It's an idea that feels so quaint right now mm -hmm. to watch a movie or watch a TV show where people talk about movies like are, are you know, have criticism about movies. Yeah. It's just very quaint. And like I never watched Siskel and Niebuhr, but I did, I did. always love Gene Shallot on CBS Hello. Sunday Morning. Hmm. Yeah. What? Um, don't know if he ever had he was if he was ever good, but I always loved mm. his segments. But yeah. It's that doesn't even exist anymore. I don't think. I mean, he's mm -mm. He, he's got to be dead. He, I think he was suffocated by his own mustache or bow tie. I don't know. I don't know. This is a different world. No, he's still kicking apparently. Oh, all right. But just like, uh, yeah, this was the. This is a one of those things that was. It was only twenty four years. I say only twenty four years. I'm very old. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's puts you at institution levels, and the idea mm -hmm. that like, yeah. really, the weekly most notable movie review show is over and mm -hmm. everything about thinking about the show feels quaint like god mm -hmm. Siskel and Ebert really rip into one another like no they don't they're very polite they don't hate <laughs> one another and it is nowhere near the discourse you encounter on accident every day about mm. stupid movies uh, mm. but it, but it was a real discussion about film which yeah. doesn't really exist on the television landscape anymore yeah and that's, pe that's people who knew Mostly what they were talking about, mm -hmm. which, yeah, Ben Lyons and his father, Jeffrey, think, oh, God, yeah. there are few things that will make my blood boil more than someone talking about something, but not understanding the history or the context of something. There, and Roger yeah, Ebert saying something like I Am Legend is the best movie they've ever seen. It's like, have you seen any of the like four different versions of this exact same story before so you can compare it to? No, you've never heard of them because you think old movies are from anything before Star Wars and you've seen six yeah. of them. Roger Ebert wrote a scathing piece about ethics in film criticism and is like, is this about Ben Lyons? He's like, no. And then a year later, he's actually like, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> this this little star fucker is nepotism job and his pretty face and he doesn't know a f he doesn't know shit about fuck and he's sitting there next to Ben Mankiewicz who was I, I can't say enough wonderful things about it. I love that dude yeah. so much from Young Turks at CCM he's I, I can't believe he went down with Ben Lyons that shit sucks mm. uh, but it's, yeah at the movies the world's best and last film criticism show goes away mm. um, no offense to on cinema that is wonderful too. Um, is that Leonard Malton? No. Because he had a show for a little while, right? Too? He had a segment mm -hmm. on like the Today Show, or like one of those things. Entertainment Tonight. Entertainment Tonight. Oh, okay. And he, yeah. was, and he was all over the place. And if you bought old movies and old cartoons, Leonard Malton's like just giddily hosting the special features. Leonard yeah. Malton rules. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yes. So on cinema, the one with Elvis Mitchell? No, it's the Tim Heidecker. Uh, oh, oh, derp, <laughs> Neil derp, Hamburger yeah. one. Uh, oh, Elvis Mitchell's a, a good place to go for uh, in-depth interviews. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this shit exists all over online, but it's just like, you know, have even now when I go back and look at movies, it's like, 
Well, what did Roger Ebert say? I've he I've mm-hmm. I've read his books. I've read his mm-hmm. reviews for years and years and years. I am I am calibrated to know what Roger Ebert thinks, and yeah. and it only it, it, yeah. So like, yeah. and I don't have any other critics like that in my life. Yeah, now. it was part of my weekly viewing in my house. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Siskel and Ebert, sixty Minutes, Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> That's that evening. is a great lineup. That's the lineup. That's God perfect. LA you kind of got got a little bit of everything you need there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like living in a Tallahassee, Florida, where your shit gets preempted by fucking keg throwing contests like Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, yeah, I love I love this show, and it's a it's a, 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 a the next day. There's a reason to mourn one of my favorite shows. I am the stone that the builder refused. Yeah! The, inspiration the boondocks, uh, I would say, concludes. But the boondocks tended to take years Asterisk. off in between seasons. Yep. Uh, but I never I, came back after this. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I did. And uh, there's okay. There's, you know, a little bit of a season in 2014. Yes. Yeah, like okay. four years I later, feel... it got a new season without yeah. creator Aaron Magruder. Yeah. It wasn't quite as good. It was okay. You know, it was still watchable. I feel really bad that I have not shouted out pretty much every episode this season. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here to do. I wanted to just did, shout out to... We didn't talk because back in May, mm-hmm. we did not talk about Dick Ryden Obama. Yeah. And I am really sad about it. I, I, it's all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say Asterix, everything from the Moondocks is on HBO Max. Yes. But like we did a laser time, I think about banned episodes and in the next 10 years, almost no show has a banned episode. It's like one episode of South Park, but four episodes of the boondocks. And that's mm. given how few episodes they put out in the years they were on. Like that's astounding. And even when you watch some of the episodes now, it's jarring. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it, did you, I watched the uh, Obama episode of the boondocks and it's, it's tough. It's yeah. it's all really harsh, and there's one episode in this season, uh, the story of Jimmy Rebel. It's still banned. Mm-hmm. It is oh. HBO Max, a service you have to pay for, subscribe to, and offers uncensored content. It's not there, mm-hmm. and but it does include mm-hmm. three other episodes of The Boondocks that were banned uh, from from American airings. It's, it gets very confusing. You could buy some of them on iTunes. Europe didn't give a shit because they don't have the same hangups with a B E T. Oh boy. Did Aaron Magruder hate B E T. But, uh, oh, my... God. it's if, if they have return of the King, that's, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> that, as I was watching it, when it happened, I was like, I'm not going to go on the internet for a couple days mm-hmm. or listen to the radio or watch TV, because if anyone else is watching this right now, the world will fucking explode it's, because it is an entire episode about MLK is not dead. He was in a coma. He wakes up now and it ends with him using the N word and then yelling about BET's quality. Yeah. <laughs> and it is such a shock. It was immensely uncomfortable. Like, and I, it, it doesn't oh, feel God. old enough to, to feel like that, but it does. And it's also like, it's not a perspective uh, I have on a lot of things, it's like mm. Magruder's very unique perspective, which is why I never really dug into the this this fourth season that would come four years later, right. four years without the Boondocks, which was one of Adult Swim's highest rated shows, but also one of the few shows they did not own. Mm. Uh, Sony owned it, um, so it concludes this week with a twenty four parody. Sam Jackson, I believe, is on the episode, but like mm. I. I 
I don't know. I've had TL Foster of a uh, uh, Live from the Pool House, the Fresh Prince podcast, on a bunch of shows, and we just can't stop talking about the Boondocks because there's n- really nothing else like it. It's it's not just that it's uncensored. Like Aaron Magruder has a very unique perspective. Our buddy uh, uh, Nathan Archer, uh, who is an actual cartoonist, he was over, and we were talking about the Boondocks being the last the last controversial thing in comic strips period. And hmm. the, the boondocks is so incredibly important. And given Aaron Magruder's relationship with his own thing, it's weirdly in a, in a stasis right now, not in a bill Watterson way. Cause he doesn't hate it, but like the comic strip is amazing. And the show is just utterly unique. It is, yeah. There's nothing else like it. And we're not even yeah, talking well, about it. It looks like a fucking anime the whole time, but it's talking, it's yeah. having the harshest conversation about race in the funniest way it can. Yeah. And that it's incredibly political mm-hmm. and it's from a, a black point of view, but not in some ways, not a mainstream one. Like, I mean, like I said, it's harsh on BET. It's like their favorite thing to go after. It's like that Obama episode you, is all about how like there's, there's a black, black president, but I don't care and I'm not yeah, happy about it. I don't it. care. Can, Nothing's going to change. Can you talk about gonna... why? And like the episode's like, not really. No, like yeah. not, but uh, no, we can make fun of all this stuff. I, I don't, re- I can't. The show had a point that it, I think it was a little afraid to make. I don't know. I, I love this show. Love the show. Yeah. It's one of the most interesting things to happen in two mediums, comic strips and animation. And this to me is what I thought was the end. And I didn't have cable forever. So I've never seen the fourth season. And apparently it's yeah. going to come back with Magruder's uh, help. Uh, I did not think we'd get hung up on this for so long um, because there's other animated shows that are probably going to blow a bunch of kids' minds out there. Yeah. Not- I No, I totally recommended it for just uh it's it's almost like it's a peek outside my bubble yeah. of like you're talking about political things that i care about but from a perspective that i haven't really thought of before mm-hmm. um and sometimes it's like little things like gentrification mm-hmm. but it's done kind of as a zombie movie and almost uh, almost every year in mlk day i share the gif of the white guy on the talk show saying if mlk was alive today i think and huey freeman just runs on the stage knocks him over and punches him to death <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> uh, with this little tiny fist it's wonderful yeah or just yeah all it takes is one person throwing a metal chair to make an entire room full of people go crazy <laughs> you know i was saying that is true for everyone or uh is it it's Samuel Jackson and Charlie Murphy, right? Are the two white kids? Yeah. 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 <laughs> who act all thuggish. Yes. But they're they're actually pampered rich white boys. Yeah, his name is Once oh his God. name is Onceler, named after the character in the Lorax. It's it all all of it is you know, it's I'm not a young radical black kid, but like it all felt like it was like it was made for me or made for me to see. Just I, I mm. love the boondocks. And if you have HBO Max, it's one of the coolest things you can see that you really can't get anywhere else other than physical discs, uh, mm. except for one episode. They are missing. There was something so harsh about that episode. HBO Max, which just allowed Gone with the Wind back, won't show <laughs> it. Um, the boondocks, seriously. Uh, the big C yep. debuts. Starring Laura Linney and Oliver Platt on what? The big scene? Showtime? Showtime. Yeah, it went for four seasons. Ah, and the, it's- the Switch is streaming on Showtime. There, I'm done. Ah. <laughs> yeah, the big C also debuts. And I remember getting a lot of attention because um, kind of Laura Linney outside of maybe her comfort zone a little bit. And it's kind of the story of like a woman who finds out she has cancer and then decides to change her life a little bit. And... Um, kind of become a big C. <laughs> Which, you know, oh, oh, it's not about um, cancer? Well, it is about cancer, okay. but I think also, you know, 
this, the, the other part of it is that, you know, when you are facing down the barrel of your own mortality, especially if you're a woman who has been like maybe put into certain roles, you're going to kind of say, fuck it. I'm going to be mm. a big C. <laughs> uh, that makes me think of two things. Laura Linney outside her comfort zone. I can't not think about why is she the only person asked to be naked in love, actually? This movie could right? be rated PG. Why did this you do that? Like, no, no, no. She's not the only person. Also, right. um, the couple with Martin Freeman. It's true. It's true. Yes, That lady couple. also Duh. shows her tits. But yeah. But it's like, I also, see, I, like Laura Linney question. was a mark of quality to me. I went and saw most of the movies she was in. I've never seen her naked. Why in this Christmas comedy did you make American <laughs> Treasure Laura Linney get naked? Truly uh, a, a strange choice, but... Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at it, but yeah. I'm also perplexed by yes. it. Yes, and, and and nothing to be ashamed about, Laura Linney. That's not what I'm saying no. either. And then Big C, I, I left it out of the news. <laughs> Michael Douglas announced this week he had throat cancer. Do you remember what he attributed it to? <laughs> yes. Right. The Big C. Cunnilingus. The... <laughs> <laughs> I love that Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas like – Probably like who I've seen on on screen smoking, <laughs> blame his <laughs> wife's vagina. I'm like, well, I'm glad I know your wife has HPV. That's a great thing for you to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thanks, I mean, hasn't hasn't she been through enough? Really? Honestly, yeah, she married an old lizard, and like, you're gonna do this to her? God damn yeah. it! Um, and uh, speaking on things, I, think, I don't have a good segue here. A uh, regular show. J- debuts the uh, yes uh, first series headed by uh, what is it JG Quintel Quintel um, yeah also on HBO Max close enough I think Diana and I were talking about like so good really good and it's interesting so, because so uh, much fun regular it's show for grownups but not like gross for grownups right but like regular show w- aired on Cartoon Network like Adventure Time it's something Nickelodeon commissioned ignored and became a phenomenon on another network uh, yeah I feel like we're at some sort of golden era man of uh, of uh, Cartoon Network, right? Because yeah. we we just talked about Adventure Time starting like a couple months ago. And it's like, oh, here's another show. Like, I, I turn it on. It's like, oh, what's this? I, I was. Tra- oh, this is totally for like grownups yeah. like this. Are kids getting anything out of this? It's like it, it's like Beavis and Butthead who don't jerk off. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's Rigby yeah. and Mordecai, a bird and a, and a raccoon who work in a park with a gumball machine and a ghost. I, it's it's difficult to describe, but very easy to watch and very funny. Yeah, yeah they're just sort of slackers slacking around. Went for eight seasons, which is a wow. really long time mm-hmm. for an animated wow, show. Wow. Yeah, got and, it. Got some uh, movie. It's damn adorable. Mm-hmm. And, and back in a day, like right before internet streaming comes huge, this is something animation adult animation nerds really latched onto like super hard. Not unlike mm-hmm. Adventure Time, but for different reasons uh because regular show is a like a really solid comedy not that adventure time is totally something totally different it's i think it's still difficult to describe adventure time but regular show isn't surreal really it's it's just Mm. funny it's just and it's bizarre that it was marketed to kids but whatever it's it, it it debuts this week and i I, I really wish I had more clips from it, to be honest. <laughs> but so sorry we talked more about at the movies and the Great British Bake Off debuts. Eh. Oh man! Oh man! No, I yeah. don't talk about this shit. I know I'm not going to be able to get out of this one. I I had a Ooh. girlfriend once too who made me watch all of this shit, and I it's fantastic. <laughs> she wanted she like, wanted she wanted to give a clip because in American reality shows you kind of heighten your emotions, but this is still like debilitatingly British, and it's like <laughs> and it's, it's like a you worked really hard. I know you lost your butter, but you're fired. She's like, that's 
fine. No, and you can just see them. Like, <laughs> oh my god, what happened over here? Oh, my butter melted. Here, have some of mine. Here, I'm done with my cake. Let me come mm. over and help you put your cake together. It is so beautiful. Mm. And like, I know I've described certain television shows or like movies as like Xanax for your eyeballs. This mm. is kind of like what I imagine microdosing MDMA is like, it's just like so beautiful and full of love. And it just makes you feel good about the universe and like opens your heart in a way. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I am not an expert. Um, it's baking. Duh. It's going to have some cool results in some, you know, schadenfreude tragedy, but I always really liked visually it's outside. Yeah. I I know that's, that's probably, for logistical reasons, but like it just looks, I think part of the reason reality shows seem fake all the time because they're like contained on a set. Whereas this Mm -hmm. is like, they're outside and yeah. like it's huh. just it's just pretty to watch i don't know like it feels it, it, yeah. it feels a little different to me uh because you're like going over like a rolling green yeah. hill and then you come to this tent where they're baking which also the tent is almost like a character in and of itself because yes. it lets the weather in so you have to deal with humidity <laughs> and your souffle might not yeah. rise because it's too humid in here or it's raining or whatever i, I this this show is I never thought about it. Yeah, fantastic. You're, you're doing an indoor activity outside on yeah. basically what happens in the summertime wherever the snowman was set. Uh, it's, and it's, it's I just gorgeous. want to talk a little bit about the hosts, too. So the first mm-hmm. two hosts were Sue and Mel, who are like a British uh, comedy duo, I believe. They had like a show together and then they were kind of, you know, put here as hosts where they're kind of the comic relief. But let me tell you the names of the judges for this first iteration. Mm-hmm. Mary Berry and <laughs> yeah. Paul Hollywood Yep, are their names. Wow. And these are two famous pastry chefs from England. Mm-hmm. And I just find that to be delightful. <laughs> yep. But then uh, it, it kind of changed and some people were cycled out. And the new iteration has uh, Sandy Top. Talks big as mm-hmm. one of the hosts and Noel Fielding, who I love so much. He has my goth heart. I just, he's from <laughs> uh, the Mighty Boosh and yeah. I love him I, so much. He brings the goth and I'm into it. And then uh, Paul Hollywood is still the host again. And then also Prue Leith, which is also a very British name. But, anyways, <laughs> if you can get a hold of this show, I think it's on Netflix. Maybe not. Like, I know there's a lot of weird stuff about, like, when it airs in England versus when we get it and then Mm -hmm. how it, like, when we get it and how we get it is all kind of weird. And sometimes I've watched it in, you know, piratey sort of ways. But it's just absolutely fantastic. And especially now, it's kind of balm for the soul. Yeah. Mm. I've had so many people tell me that this is is their soothing television. It It makes them feel better now that things are very, very stressful. Um I kind of want to dig into the spinoffs because I love uh, that they have two spinoffs besides baking related ones mm-hmm. that spinoffs again about just like home crafty type things. And let's somehow make a program out of the great British sewing bee and the great pottery <laughs> throwdown. Wow. Oh, oh, I love it. Oh. I want to find that sewing bee one. I really hope yes. it's just quilts. It's yeah. just daintily, quietly, calmly making quilts. No, I want some cross stitching. I want some embroidery. <laughs> well, why, why like oh, the, the pleasant branch out the pleasantry oh, yes. with the violence, like coming up next on the BBC, it's the great crochet Holocaust. And then, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, the Great British Bake Off is so great. I have not watched any of the spinoffs, but I am totally down to. But I really love too because it's extremely diverse. You mm-hmm. always have like a, a very racially diverse group of contestants and background diverse, certainly. But my favorite is there's always one very old man who like <laughs> – lives alone with his dog and just loves making biscuits for his neighbors and his children. And it's so adorable. Mm. Mm. British I'm bacon off. into it. <clears throat> and then also after you watch it, you can say things like, oh, this sourdough has a very tight crumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, man, I am very aroused right now and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> and th- to briefly talk about the games, if I could segue... I had Brett on the line. Why didn't why didn't I ask him about Ease Seven, a game he really liked for the PSP? Uh, ladies, if I said, and Sarah and Diana are not traditional gamers, um, uh, Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light. What am I talking about? Angelina Jolie. <laughs> Close. Keep going. Or no, I mean, Laura, it's a Tomb Raider that, game. Boom! <laughs> but it's the first Tomb Raider game to not use the name Tomb Raider. And, uh-huh. and uh, it's not from the. It's not a three D. Uh, well, it's not a. Uh, 3D shooter platformer. It's a isometric top-down multiplayer puzzler, and it's interesting. I never finished one because I didn't. I thought they got a little boring, but like it was a. They were way more adaptable to mobile platforms, and uh, so Laura Croft, I think, bought herself time with another generation. With this, hmm. we have a whole Patreon show we'll talk about this, but I did... Maybe I'll talk about Kane Lynch 2 Dog Days, a fucking stupid game that I played at a local San Francisco Chinese restaurant. Two stories that in order to make it authentic to the game, they destroyed the restaurant uh, and put up fake bullet holes and blood. <laughs> and then here's some here's some TVs to play. <laughs> Dog Days on, like, I would have got it. God, you guys have so much money. Um, anyway, no, we're still friends. A little bit of plugs before we get... If you guys aren't sticking around, we have a birthday quiz that is epic and Sarah is terrible at because I keep... Uh, Excuse me. (laughs) I got it last week with no clues, so thank you. We'll tell you who died and who was born. I apologize for saying Malaga as Malaga. She got it off of Spain. All I said was basically Spain. She fucking did it. uh, So angry. Before we head out with our quiz, which you can play along with, I wanted to thank... I wanted to thank our, our patrons, many fine people, such as Jeffrey Watkins and many other fine folks at patreon.com slash laser time, making 302010 and the entire laser time network possible. That episode of laser time is finally up after some technical difficulties. Fake, <laughs> fake characters, very real legal battles. Learn a little bit about copyright trademark and how the four companies we have left have been warring over fake characters for a very long time. Uh, you can check out that Invigi Game Apocalypse every single Friday. Um, and a bunch of other stuff on Patreon, including bonus time, 302010's uh, deep dive into the video games that came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This month, Chris Baker, fantastic guest, uh, is on. It's supersized and uh, should keep you entertained for a very, very long time, especially as we get drunk into the night. Um, and uh, with that, Diana, well, Diana, where can people find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up to next week, we've got a Sam Raimi joint. And it's going to be number one. My favorite Sam Raimi superhero movie. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, 
with oh, now spider-man 2 is really good oh, but with, it doesn't have liam neeson in it so you got me there with my second favorite christian slater movie i oh sarah your husband I, and i were just talking about this uh, i'm ooh. really looking forward to seeing how this holds up you were there you heard us talking about it I'm like i've never heard of this and like i mainly just tune you guys out oh thanks babe uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um but uh with that out of the way we got to tell you who died during this period Oh, in 1990, we lost two. Uh, Pearl Bailey, who's 72. She was a, a singer and actor. And I didn't realize, oh, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 88. That's Ooh. pretty cool. Because um, she was black and therefore had it really fucking hard. Because it's hard to be a sexy lady in the 40s when you're black. And people Word. don't treat you quite right. And then uh, we also lost B.F. Skinner, who is 86. He's the famous psychologist, behaviorist, almost definitely namesake of Principal Skinner. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he's known for his, you know, behavior analysis and uh, the Skinner box, which is, you know, the little thing you put a rat in. And if it presses the lever, like it'll get a reward or a shock and you like train it to do stuff. Yeah, and you... he kind of popularized or or brought to light the idea of positive and negative reinforce- reinforcement and how it, you know, causes humans yep. to act in certain ways. And he notably was because of his studies, was very anti-corporal punishment and spanking, which mm-hmm. was kind of revolutionary at the time that he was studying, especially children at that point. So, uh, yeah, Fuck a very that. interesting guy and definitely someone that you would you would study if you, you know, did any sort of child development. If I ever so, have yes. kids, I'm going to spank them with the trophies they don't get. And Ooh, <laughs> Ooh spank them with their participation <laughs> trophies. I and what that's given that's what Sarah confusing. Given what yeah. Sarah just said, the only thing I remember about BF Skinner, we were having a conversation on college campus, and someone quoted a study by BF Skinner, and everyone was kind of bored and just like, all right, all right. and he's like, and do you know what BF stands for? And we like turn around like what? And he just goes butt fucking, and like we fucking <laughs> lost, and that's all I think of every time I see. It. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, sure. Yeah, the review of general psychology yeah, polls, I know. Uh, psychologist <laughs> and said he's the most influential psychologist of the 20th century but you think butt fucking I think, I think we awesome. just learned a lot about how I learn and yeah. <laughs> I'm just shocked to know what his what BF actually stands for is Burrus Frederick B-U-R-R-H-U-S Burrus yeah, I've never heard that name before in my life yeah it, I'd go by BF what yeah. the fuck? Did the Psychiatrist Guild already have a Burris Skinner? Why did he, why did he do this? <laughs> why did he do this to us? Um, all right. And with the deaths, that way we got to get to the bubble bu- births. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding-dong doodly doodly ding-dong doo. Oh, who was born during this period of 302010, August 14th to the 20th? We got someone who was born during this very show. No. Yes, turning 30, born August 15th, 1990 in Indian Hills, Kentucky. They should rename that. Uh, First Nations Hills, thank you. Uh, She was hyperactive and played rough as a kid and found doing school plays helped her focus. She was discovered at age 14 and her mom thought, like, maybe you shouldn't act, you should model. But she was like, no, 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 I want to act. And then she got, uh, you know, so went into that, got some unsold pilots, uh, guest spots on Monk and Medium, and Mom was, like, super dubious about the whole acting thing. Like, you, you, should, you should give up. Oh, I feel like I should be able to guess this. Eight years later, mm. she is the second youngest winner of a Best Actress Oscar at age uh, 22. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. 
Jennifer Lawrence is correct. Marley Matlin beat her by her year. Um, yep, Jennifer Lawrence, happy 30th birthday. She's an outspoken advocate of gender inequality in Hollywood. Uh, no, she's an outspoken advocate against gender inequality right. in Hollywood. <laughs> right. She's uh, boring, damn it. Uh, plays the highest grossing female action hero of all time. Her films have grossed $6 billion. And we talked about The Burning Plane, The Bell Ingvel Show, and Winter's Bar. <laughs> Would it surprise you if our president came out in favor of gender inequality? I'm just never mind. With the no, end of the show, I'm allowed he to just think. Already? I just, just pretty, like, pretty sure he has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I actually went back and looked up some reviews of the Bill Engvall show, <laughs> and there were there were a couple that were like, "Who is this girl playing his daughter? She's like from some better TV show. Like yeah. she should be on like a, a, her, my so-called life kind of show. She should not be having to stand next to Bill Engvall and take his." jokes oh my god is he the here's your sign guy yeah yeah okay yeah yeah just knowing that means we know too much about him that was his failed catchphrase period as as, i just assume depending on you who you ask that's not failed at all that's actually yeah uh, we're still talking about it only because i can't not remember this shit that's why we do the show people um and speaking of remembering this shit uh how about some nwa NWA is so appropriate these days. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm mad about it for a bunch of reasons. But uh, I, I listen and looking at what what should we go out with? And I listened to 100 Miles and Running. And I was like, God damn it. Stop being ahead of your time, NWA. Mm-hmm. I want you to be cute. And oh, remember back in the day when we were mad about blank and blank. <laughs> God damn it. And I, was, I was opting for Nicolas Cage singing Elvis Presley, but I'm, yeah, NW we is could, a much better we choice. You do that too if you really want. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. It's such a silly impression. Uh, <sighs> uh, oh, I'm Elvis. Everybody can do that. Uh, but uh, instead, we'll do NWA, which I will get arrested for if I do an impression of. So. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we will see you guys next week. We have so much fun stuff for you to talk about. We teased it earlier. NWA, send us home. All the miles are running. Empty when I hope the gun it. You want me to deal with the situation that is done it. Since the stereotype, I'm going to take a stand. And if you're trying to stop me, I don't give a damn. Chances are usually not 